Hey there, my name is Andy, the founder of the Questionable Endeavor Network. Before you listen to the latest episode of your favorite network podcast, I wanted to let you know about a contest we're running for the month of August. Questionable Endeavor is giving away a $25 gift card to Amazon to one lucky fan. To enter our contest, you need to head over to questendnetwork.com slash discord. There you'll find a link to sign up for our Discord channel, which is a free chat program accessible through the web or via a free smartphone app. If you're new to Discord, all you have to do is create an account and join in with the hosts of our podcast and our fans. Once you're there, head over to the hashtag contest channel on the left-hand side, and pinned at the top of the post is a link to a Google form. Click the form and fill out three simple fields for your name, your Discord name, and click the boxes for all your favorite Questionable Endeavor shows. Once you hit submit, you're eligible for the $25 Amazon gift card drawing. The contest will run through August of this year, and the winner will be randomly drawn from all entrants on September 1st. Also, the podcast with the most votes will be crowned the winner of the 2017 Fan Favorite Award. Well, there's no physical reward. It's more of a bragging rights thing. Have your voice heard and maybe win a bit of extra spending cash. Good luck. And while you're there on Discord, say hello, strike up a conversation, and maybe make a new friend or two. And now, your regularly scheduled programming. match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is the main event of the evening. Please welcome your host for today. Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, alright? And Taz is here. I mean, Sal is here. Look at it this way. The first thing we've done together as a team. So I grab my dick, you grab your dick, you work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks anyway. I'm touching my own dick. And you're working it and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough and it's time for The Rundown. Welcome to the main event. It's the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, episode 308. I am your co-host, Troy. Here with me this time is Jason. What up? And Sal. What's up? All right. Well, you can head on over to the YouTubes. And Jason, when they're if they're at the YouTubes, what should they do? Oh, well, they can simply slide over to the right-hand side of their screen where they will see a box marked uh, chat, live chat, and they can participate on the show. They can, as Troy puts so eloquently, say something stupid, and we'll make fun of them for it. Uh, no, you can participate in the show. Give us your thoughts, your opinions on our thoughts. doesn't matter. Anything you'd like to do, take off your pants, make yourself comfortable, and uh, we'll see who shows up, and maybe we'll rename the lounge. That's right. Last week we had uh, had the Kenny Lounge, so... Smathers, get on that shit. All right, so we got a big show. I actually saw Kenny last night, and Kenny suggested that we rename the lounge in his honor. I said, uh, if uh, our other lounge person doesn't show up, we may have to do that. Yeah. 
Well, Kenny's got to show up tonight, otherwise Lockhart Lounge is going to get renamed again. There you go. <laughs> we can call it the Smathers Memorial Lounge. Well, only if we can. <laughs> My All right, so... Dead. Busy week in, in wrestling this past uh, past week here. We had not one, but two special WWE events on the network. The first was TakeOver Brooklyn 3. And uh, looking at uh, at the results of it here, this was the one where I wound up being ahead. Oh, no, I think we were tied. Yes, me and Jason were tied at this one. It was SummerSlam, actually, that I pulled ahead by one point. So I am your preview champion. Your picks, champion. But anyways, so the match or the match card that we had there was Andrade Cien Almas with Selena Vega took on Johnny Gargano and almost took the win. Yeah, that was a bit of a surprise. I, I guess in retrospect now you're looking back and sort of both guys had to win the match in a weird way. Um, they were both. But I guess the right person won in that I think Gargano can rebound easier from this loss than – Almost could from another loss, another very high-profile takeover loss. It was good for him to get a win, and with the uh, revitalization of his character with Zelina Vega in his corner, I think it was, uh, in retrospect, I should have probably picked him because that was uh, a much more important win for him, and he got it. And it was a hell of a match, too. Yeah, it definitely makes sense with the addition of Zelina Vega. You know, he'd lost all those takeover matches before. He gets Zelina Vega. He gets the cheap win when she throws the shirt in Gargano's face. And uh, I think it worked. Gargano's going to be fine. Yeah, I'd be fine seeing these two guys go at it again. It was a really good match, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, the the Gargano storyline, you know, this is his, what, second, third singles match? Whereas Almost has been doing this for about a year now. So uh, it makes a little more sense that Almost being, you know, um, more used to the singles match and also having the, the ace in his corner there with uh, Zelina Vega. Uh, I, all in all, a good match. Uh, another really good match, uh, but one that me and Jason both knew exactly what the outcome was going to be, was Alistair Black beating Hideo Itami. That was a really good match. Uh, really hard hitting. Itami is, you know, finally healthy. Um, I like his new heel persona, but ultimately we all knew Black was going to win that match. He's not going to lose at a takeover at this point. Yeah, this was sort of an interesting one because I went into this thinking this was going to be the best match on the NXT show, uh, and it was really good when it went there, and then everything came after it just blew right. it out of the water. Uh, but these guys had a hell of a, a hell of an outing. It was very stiff, as you could see, with the blood flowing freely from Alistair Black. Uh, not quite sure where Atami goes from here. He's sort of now turning into that guy that just loses all the high-profile matches. Um, but... Yeah, he at least made a very uh, credible and impressive showing for himself in the heel role, and maybe now he rolls back to uh, Cassius Ono. I don't know, but we'll see. It was definitely um, uh, the biggest challenge that Alistair's had so far, and it makes sense because this is a guy who is a worldwide champion and has been touted as such. Yeah, that's a good way to punctuate that. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, uh, in kind of a, a surprise to me, but maybe not so much for Jason, Sanity is your new NXT Tag Team Champions after beating the Authors of Pain. Yeah, the Authors of Pain, I, to me, are, are the next call-ups to the main roster. I feel like these guys are on their way up, uh, and I think the fact that they dropped the belts is a pretty clear indication that that's the route they're going with them. Um, 
I enjoyed the match. I thought it was particularly sort of a coming out party for Alexander Wolf. I think we haven't gotten to see much of what he can do in the ring. I thought he put on a very impressive showing for himself. Uh, and a guy we really had kind of short-sold going into this because he hadn't been given a chance to kind of showcase himself. Uh, interesting spot where it was like started out with Alexander Wolf and Killian Dane, and then Eric Young shows up and goes, no, 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 I'm in the match. We've never really seen the Freebird thing take effect in the middle of the match and kind of be okayed by the referee. Uh, Nikki Cross with the sixth spot with Killian Dane almost <laughs> dying. Uh, and then, of course, the title win, which was, which was really cool, and then punctuate that with Red Dragon coming out and attacking, just destroying all of them. And interesting to note that uh, Moro was allowed to call their move Chasing the Dragon, which in the PG world of WWE, I was not sure they were going to be able to get away with. So uh, all in all, the match itself was was good, not great, uh, but the atmosphere, the way they put the story over, and of course the ending really pushed it into very good territory for me. I thought the match told a really good story. That uh, Again, like you said, that spot with uh, Killian Dane and Nikki Cross, I... I was like, holy shit. Um, I almost felt as if this was... You could have used this like a face turn for uh, Sanity. Uh, Eric Young kind of played up to the crowd before he tagged himself in. And he was like, you know, should I do it? Should I do it? And then uh, Red Dragon coming out. You know, obviously the crowd popped for it. But as we saw later, uh, they're going to be working... Uh, looks like a heelish program. But I guess we'll see where they where they go with it. Well, we've been kind of seeing Sanity as a little bit of, um, of of a face in this battle with the Authors of Pain. So it, it kind of an extension of that. I mean, people, <laughs> I saw it. People, you know, <laughs> people like Sanity. People like, uh, you know, Red Dragon. It's it's kind of a difficult one. But I, I think that, uh, you know, Eric Young is a guy who can instantly go into the face territory. He's got a voice for a heel. But, uh, you know, in, in terms of, of his past work, we know what he can do as a face, as a goofy face, but also as kind of the, you know, Daniel Bryan type hero as well. Yeah. And uh, we do have our first visitor to the lounge, so it will remain for the time being at least the Smathers Lounge as the man himself, Mike Smathers, in the house. And he uh, he thinks I look weird shaved. And if he thinks that looks weird, he should see where <laughs> else I shaved. Well, that's pretty normal for you, though. That's true, too. He's in the wrestling business. Of uh, course it is. Yeah, no, I had a little mishap when trimming the beard and uh, didn't wasn't salvageable. So back to square one on that. So you circumcised. But thanks for your concerns. You couldn't draw it and make like little triangles and shit. I could have, but I mean, I'd say he was probably lucky he didn't draw himself. (laughs) 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 All right, even draws didn't draws himself. Dilo did that. Oh, that's true. That's true. I suppose if you you know if you were taking your razor out of the out of the the mirror and you suddenly close the mirror and all of a sudden you you're looking at the real deal now <laughs> was behind you you'd be a little worried. <laughs> yes. <sighs> all right. So, <laughs> um, in in what I feel might have been a little bit of a of a misbooked match, Asuka was able to retain the NXT Women's Championship over Ember Moon, and. Frankly, you know, I I understand you if you didn't want to have all three belts change hands on on the card, uh, but Asuka continuing the undefeated streak. This this should have been Ember Moon's coming out party, and now you have to kind of wonder, you know, how many how many opportunities does Ember Moon get? And at this point, if she does get another opportunity and wins it, then have they kind of lost the 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 luster on her a little bit? If 
she wins it after losing what three times to Asuka. Um, I gotta say, watching the end of that match, it really kind of struck me that Ember was saying the goodbye to NXT moment that I think we all kind of thought was going to be Asuka's, but maybe em- maybe Asuka's just a building block in NXT. There are reports that he's she's the one that Triple H told Vince, you can't take her, take anybody else. That's the one I want to build the promotion around. Um, and if that's the case, then Ember could very easily be the one going up because she's 100% ready as far as I'm concerned too uh, to go up to the main roster. They're not going to bring everybody up at the same time, so it could be a week or two before we see her. Uh, but that's what it looked like to me. The match itself I thought was excellent. I thought it was as good, if not better, than their first match. I, th- I loved the fact that they tied little aspects of the first match into the second match with the, the top rope and, and she's trying to use the referee and Ember catches it and still hits it. It still hits the eclipse. Um, whole thing was great. I, I very much enjoyed it. Probably, yeah, I, I think it was my favorite match on the, on the TakeOver card. Uh, and I thought, once again, NXT shows why women's wrestling is their bread and butter. Look, match of the night for me. I mean, it, it to me, it exceeded what they had done previously at TakeOver. Um, that spot when she finally did hit the eclipse and Mara went crazy. Um, I, mm-hmm. I bought it and I thought, she was, I thought that was it. I thought that was the match. Um, it makes sense that Asuka is the focal point of that division to a, you know, for for a little while longer. She, it's gonna start getting stale if they don't get that title off her before the end of the year. And I don't know to who. Maybe it's the it's the person who wins the the May Young Classic. But I thought this was Ember's time. I think with the two-on-one aspect, you could get away with having the iconic girls sort of steal the title from her somewhere down the road. Um, but, of course, they're also still kind of laying the framework for Asuka as the monster heel, too. So you got to think it's probably going to be somebody who's a face. Um, the one thing I've heard since TakeOver and even a little bit going into it before was, well, just call Asuka up and have her forfeit the title. And I you know. cannot fucking do that. Because if you do that... Whoever has the belt afterwards is not a legit champion. The fans won't take them seriously. The whole point, the history of wrestling, is that champion loses the title to give the rub to the next person, and that's exactly what they need to do. Uh, I would be very much opposed to the idea of Ember going up, Oscar going up without dropping that title first. You know, plus they did it before with Paige, you know, as as the first women's champion, and then she had to drop the belt because JBL, you know, realized that there was come all over it. So. <laughs> So and plus, yeah, like you said, it, it somebody has to win it off of Asuka, you know, right? Or you have it where a heel wins it in a multi-person match by not pinning Asuka, you know, if you want to continue the undo, unbeated streak, undefeated streak on the main roster as well. But yeah, you can't you can't just have her you can't get have her get stripped of the title belt, strip her of everything else. That's fine. <laughs> uh, as they say, streaks are meant to be broken. <clears throat> I think that's I'm getting right. broken. Streaks are meant to be broken, and, but um, Asuka, I thought the best buildup they've had for somebody to take that belt off of Asuka is what they do at Ember Moon, leading up to the match and in this match. Uh, I do like your idea, Jason, of the iconic iconic girls getting some type of a handicap match, and then maybe they can, uh, you know, maybe they can steal the title from her, but other than that, they still got a lot of work to do if they're going to build somebody else up. Well, I mean, you got... You got. It would not shock me, put it this way, if one of the key participants in the Mae Young Classic ends up becoming. I'm trying not to be too right. spoilery here. 
uh, ends up coming in because I think that person carries a reputation and a sort of cachet to be able to stand in there toe-to-toe with Asuka and be a credible, legitimate person to knock her off. Do we want to uh, to step on your dick a little bit here and talk about the aftermath of this match here? Of the Ember Moon match? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So, uh, as Mara Winal would say, Mamma Mia, Ember Moon hit Oscar in the collarbone so hard it broke faster than a uh, rod receiver running on a slant route. <laughs> Get out of my earrings. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Oscar broke a collarbone in this match, and uh, she'll be out for about what, two to four months on that. No. I heard six to eight weeks at most. And how many how many weeks is a, is a two months, buddy? But here's the, but <laughs> definitely not four months though. De- you said two to four months. That's that's kind of stretching it out a little bit. You know, she'll be back before the next takeover in November. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, but here's the thing. In a weird kind of way, this might give you the out you're looking for. Asuka can lose the belt without losing the belt but have it not be a negative on the next person behind her. Uh, and then you can set up to some match where Asuka comes back from her injury and tries to reclaim the belt, and that person wins, and that's where they get the rub. But Asuka never officially technically loses the belt, so maybe this is a silver lining. I believe they're taping TV tonight, so if you want to get into the spoilers, we'll probably know a lot more about it tomorrow, how they're going to handle it. But uh, it could the, the injury could provide them the opening. Very much so. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Where we're, uh, we're going to stay spoiler free here. Although I will be reading it as we go along on the show, I just will not be saying anything out loud. Uh, I've, I've, we've all fallen for that before, <laughs> Troy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> moving on to our main event of the evening. Speaking of not getting into spoilers, the uh, GFW Gauntlet Battle Royal is just starting right now. I wonder who's going to win oh, the championship. God, <laughs> Spoiler alert, it's not any good. <laughs> I don't even know who still works for that company. So many people have left that company in the past, like, two months. There's still a lot of talent down there, to be honest. I mean, you still got guys like Eddie Edwards. You still got guys like oh, Ethan Eddie Carter. Oh, Eddie is still there. Still okay. got... Yeah, Eddie's still there. Uh, Davey, Davey left. left. Davey's and, and Angelina Love left right behind him. Yes. And, and Loki. Oh, yes. Yep, Loki's Low-key gone left. into That was in the news section. Now you stepped on <laughs> no, it. That's stepped okay. Up. Stepped all over it, flattened that motherfucker out. All right, so moving on to our main event. Drew McIntyre becomes the NXT champion by defeating Bobby Roode. Yeah, I think that surprised both of us. I think we both picked Roode going into that one. Oh, for sure. Um, Did you really? Didn't really, yeah, Yeah. didn't really see McIntyre getting it in that first point. I think we all kind of thought Roode still has a little bit of a storyline with Roddy. Uh, That's better off with the title involved. Um, now, obviously, given the events that we saw the following week, it makes perfect sense uh, because, you know, the way things work is that in NXT, if you lose a championship belt, you immediately become a free agent and can go sign anywhere. Otherwise, everybody's NXT contract expires the second their uh, championship ends. So I don't know how they've structured those contracts down there. I thought, um, I thought that Daniel Bryan kind of explained it away that him him giving up Jason Jordan and John Cena was so that he could get... Uh, Kurt would help him sign Shelton Benjamin, and they could get Bobby Roode. I thought that I don't was think the way Roode was involved in there. I hmm. think it was just for Shelton, but oh, you um, didn't. So we've you didn't trade him the rights did. to the first draft pick of NXT. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, match was really good. Um, I, I'm a fan of both of these guys. I wasn't quite sure how it was going to go. It's not your typical indie spot fest with these two. They're both more mat oriented, maybe chain wrestling kind of guys. Uh, not really your high flying style, but I thought they put together an excellent match. I thought they told an excellent story throughout. Uh, and let's be honest, the money shot of this whole thing was really at the end. Uh, you have the Red Dragon guys, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly standing there and sort of spoiled by the crowd because they knew what was going on beforehand. You could see them reacting uh, before anything else happened. But coming from the other side, the debut in NXT of Adam Cole, who was Baby. very, very warmly, warmly welcomed by this crowd. Uh, and it looks like they are putting them together as a unit, as a faction. Uh, and I've heard rumors that they're going to call the group the Dishonored, which I personally fucking love, given the context of where they're coming from. Um, this looks like this, this is the big angle. This is the, the NWO style angle for NXT. Um, there are a couple of other guys they can push in there, a couple of guys that uh, we might discuss in the news that are just now making their way down to the Performance Center. Um, but this has the potential to really kind of grow and become the central storyline for NXT going forward. It already looks like they're going to be involved in the tag title angle. Now the world title angle, I, I you know, they don't really push their women of honor storyline enough that I think they can do much with that. But, um, it looks like this, like we're, we're getting into a heavy, uh, ring of honor versus NXT type of angle. And I'm all for it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, very talented guys. Um, I'm not sure if, uh, Adam Cole, baby will suddenly be called something different considering the last name. Um, or if they're just going to say he's the illegitimate bastard of Michael Cole. <laughs> um, I don't know if you saw, they did a, uh, on a clip on WWE.YouTube uh, page, the aftermath of the show uh, with Red Dragon and Adam Cole walking up the aisle, gets to the top of the aisle and does the Adam Cole baby thing. Hmm. The crowd went nuts, and I doubt he's doing that if they're not calling him that. So Ed Morrow called him that on TV. So Right on. I definitely enjoyed the uh, the match. With Drew McIntyre. I've always been a Drew McIntyre fan, even more so after he left. Um, I don't think Brooklyn was. Uh, I don't think he, they got the reaction that I would have expected when, when he pinned Bobby Roode. Uh, Adam Cole got the reaction. I think they were shocked. Adam Cole got a huge uh, think... pop when, when he attacked uh, yeah. uh, McIntyre. But uh, it's an interesting way to go. I, I love Adam Cole. I love Red Dragon. Uh, I'd love the idea of them calling them calling them the Dishonored. An Adam Cole Drew McIntyre feud right off the gate, though, uh, it, it could easily work if they put the uh, the tag belts on Red Dragon and make that, like you said, like the new NWO faction. Yeah, and here's the thing, and we're going to talk about SummerSlam in just a minute and, and the week that was following it. This, to me, when when I talk about the differences between the shows and the creative departments and things of that nature, this to me illustrates it greatly because NXT went off the air. The takeover went off the air. I'm like, fuck, I, I, I want more. I want to know what happens. I, I can't wait to see what happens here. I'm excited to see where this is going. Um, and SummerSlam went off the air and I went, all right, that was cool. Yep. Good match. Absolutely. But I had no, I, I, I couldn't wait to find out what happens at the next set of NXT tapings when TakeOver was over. When SummerSlam was over, I was like, oh yeah, Raw's tomorrow. Crap, I gotta watch that. You know, they didn't lead you anywhere. They didn't give you a thread to hang on to going into the next, the next thing. 
And uh, I just think that's where they fail, and NXT succeeds. Yeah, SummerSlam very much felt like kind of a season finale, but there was no cliffhanger at the end of it, where it was just like, okay, these all of these stories are, are ending. We're going to have new ones come Monday, or we're not, really, because we're, we're wrestling. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, like you said, I mean, with, with, uh, with TakeOver – you went out. You you left it going. Okay, now we've got we've got a brand new faction. We've got Drew McIntyre, I guess, is an unofficial member of Sanity coming up here soon. <laughs> and and you've got some other you know ongoing storylines too. You know you've got got Johnny Wrestling trying to get back on a winning winning streak. You've got what happens with with Almas. You've got a lot of guys that were not on the card because it's it's a takeover event that also can play into this and you know you've also got the questions of you know well you know we know bobby Roode's on his way out now because because of what's coming up later what happens with amber moon what happens with the authors of pain you know there's roddy strong, roddy roddy, strong. yeah you've got roddy you've got the velveteen dream still kicking around there too yeah you you've got a lot of guys that we don't know what's going to happen with and it makes you more interested whereas with SummerSlam, nobody's sitting there and going what's next for randy orton we might be thinking what's next for Baron Corbin, but that's about it. Yeah, we'll get into that. So uh, <laughs> let's give our, our final takes on, on TakeOver. Uh, I, for one, thought it was a good event. Um, I look look forward to seeing or at least reading the results of what happens in NXT the next, uh, next couple of weeks here. Well, see, to me, that's the big question because, Troy, you've been very outspoken that nobody cares about NXT anymore, <laughs> that the products kind of <laughs> slid down. I don't know if you actually watched the show or if you just read the results, watched the highlights, whatever. Um, but... Ha- is what happened to TakeOver enough to make you reconsider that uh, NXT is worth your time again? Um, yes, at least in terms of uh, of the men. You know, I'm, I am I love Asuka, but I honestly, you know, I, I guess I'm a little intrigued at what's going to happen in her absence for a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. But until that belt is off of her, I don't I don't really look at, at, at the women's division as anybody can take this belt at any time. Whereas in the men... You can sit there and go, well, Bobby Roode could easily take that belt back. Adam Cole, baby, could take that belt. You know, Roderick Strong could take that. You know, you you feel like there's a lot more people. And now with with the injection of another team for the the NXT tag belts, now you're starting to to get a division again going where you're like, okay, do we have the Authors of Pain get this back? Does Sanity have a long run to it? Do does uh, HM05 get back here and, and wind up, you know, wind up getting back thing? Uh, you know, do do the Fat Mechanics get a chance at it too? You know, there's a, there's we're starting to build up a, up a division again. Whereas, like I said, with with the women's division, there's Asuka, and there's just so much of a gap now. You know, since I to me, Amber Moon gets knocked down a little bit with this loss. Yeah, like I said, I don't think Amber Moon is staying in the next. I don't think so either. So. We'll see. As far as, uh, you know, TakeOver is always such a great show. Every time I watch a TakeOver, I'm never disappointed. And I think Triple H has done an amazing job building his roster back up compared to how bad it was depleted after WrestleMania. Right. And that, and that's the thing with NXT. They're constantly giving you exciting new talent and exciting new storylines, and that's what's largely missing on the main roster there's nothing exciting and new you can go through that nxt takeover card and short of asuka and ember who killed it again every single one of those matches was the first time you've seen that match in a wwe or an nxt ring right and this everything was new and interesting and exciting and then you look at the SummerSlam card it was really kind of boring the same stuff we've seen some stuff we've seen the week before 
Then there's intrigue with the characters, too. You want to know what happens with Almas. You want to know what happens with, Alice, with Alistair Black. Even other people who weren't on the show, like Velveteen Dream and, um, you know, the Fat Mechanics. They, it works. You want to see these guys again because you don't see them every week. They're not overexposed. Right. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Kenny Lockhart's joining us in the uh, chat room. Kenny, you missed it. Smathers regained control of the lounge this week by showing up first. But uh, Kenny asks uh, how everyone's doing and says uh, NXT TakeOver was glorious. And we just finished talking about it, and I think we all pretty much agree with you on that one, Ken. All right. Well, if we're good to move on to SummerSlam. Let's do it. All right. For the uh, Mountain Dew Kickstart show, <laughs> Neville won back the Cruiserweight Championship over Akira Tozawa. Yeah. Uh, cru- I didn't really catch much of this, to be completely honest with you, because I didn't really care much about the pre-show. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised. It just means that they did the title switch for absolutely no end on Monday, except, you know, reasons. <laughs> so, um, other than that, you know, it was a good match. These two work well together in the ring. There's no dying that. I loved uh, Neville with the white gear. I thought that was kind of awesome. But uh, other than that, I didn't really remember much about this match by the time the uh, the night was over. I went back. I watched it. Uh, the The match was good. Uh, those, like you said, those two work well. Um, I don't think there's any real money in Tozawa as a long-term champion. You gave him his moment. No. Titus had his moment. Uh, I wouldn't have put it back on Neville. I wouldn't have taken it off Neville to begin with, but that's what they did, and now we're obviously moving forward and moving past that. So, eh, it was fine. It was a good match. That's all you can ask for from the Cruiserweights at this point, right? That's all we pretty much get out half the time. It's just a good match from the Cruiserweights and, you know, not much heat behind it. And this match, even though the title had just changed hands, still didn't have a lot of meat, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of heat on it. Uh, sorry, Troy, I just saw your lower third. Oh. <laughs> oh. Nice. Uh, I just noticed that. That's uh, that's good. That's why you should be watching on YouTube. Yes. All right. And uh, then uh, a, a thrown-together match, an empty arena oh, match God. as the, <laughs> the Miztourage meet the Hardys and My Black Son. <laughs> my Black Son. My Black Son. Yeah, this was, this was embarrassing. This was... Uh, and not by all reports really WWE's fault in that, you know, the the doors got open later than they were supposed to or something or the arena's difficult to navigate from the doors sort of thing. They kept having to cut to the outside and showing all the people like, No, no, really, there are people here for this show. Trust Look at all us. the people that are They're stuck just outside. outside. They're waiting to file in. Right. To me, <sighs> You don't send this match out like that. You push it back. You move some packages around. You do do something. You don't send these me. guys out to be. Oh, sorry. What? I just had to remove my move my package around. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you don't send these guys out to be humiliated like that in front of an empty arena. It, it was a bad look for everybody in this match. Jason Jordan has a tough enough time getting crowd reactions as it is. You know, much less when it, I guess his were pretty much the same as they usually are. But for the Miz, um. Yeah, I, how many years in this company now to be to be asked to go out and do that? It it was pretty disrespectful to me, as far as I'm concerned, that they did that to Can that you guy. Imagine, I don't know, man. The the the, uh, the concession guy up in in row 37B was really digging my black son. No. <laughs> Can you imagine this match happening or or this scenario happening down the street at Madison Square Garden? 
Never. Never fucking never would they ever do that if the fans weren't in the arena yet. And I understand they were, you know, they had it booked and then people weren't having trouble getting in. But like you said, you don't do it. You move it around. That that was a fucking embarrassment. Yeah, and the match was, what, 10, 12 minutes? They could have easily pushed it back a few minutes and let some fans fill in a little bit so that there's not three kids standing on the aisle for high fives as guys walk down. And the Hardys, not just Miz, but you bring back the Hardys. You pay him God yeah. knows what to come back, and, and that's the treatment they get at SummerSlam? Fuck out of here. Uh, the Hardys are a bit different because, I mean, to be fair, the Revival thing derailed what they were going to be right. doing at this pay-per-view. So, But like you said, a thrown-together yeah. match that didn't need to be there. Fair enough. All right. And potentially the, uh, or I shouldn't even say potentially, just go with it. The match of the Kickstart show, the Usos win back the SmackDown take belts from the New Day. A lot of new spots in this match that I hadn't seen before. Uh, God, Xavier Woods is quickly becoming one of the best things to watch on TV as far as in-ring, isn't he? He's always been incredible. I mean, go back to TNA and Consequences Creed. The guy was doing things off the cop that people just weren't doing at the time. Um, yeah, this match was – this was up until the main event, the match of the night. And I think this is – I think didn't I say last week, Troy, that this would probably end up being one of the matches of the night? Uh, these two just have – these two teams have amazing chemistry together. Uh, they're both at the top of their game right now. And the fact that this got relegated to the pre-show and you look at some of the shit that ended up on the main card. <laughs> uh, and we'll get into yeah, all that later. Uh, but this was embarrassing to me, again, that this was relegated to the pre-show. But I've said in the past, would you rather have you know, 20 minutes to have this type of match on the pre-show or would you rather have what Rusev and, and Randy Orton had to do on the main card? Almost better off for them that they were on the pre-show Which, in that regard. Yeah. You know, they... Uh, um, they ended SummerSlam at exactly 11 o'clock. They timed that shit out to the second. So Well, good, because they usually run about right. a half hour over. So, I mean, yeah. I am glad that, that uh, the New Day and the Usos got time, because they would not have gotten time on the main card. Yeah. Um, it was... Uh... It was a good a good match, and you know, yes, it sucks for the performers that they miss a little bit of a payday. But with the you know with the network, we can go back and watch this match and go right into into the main card and just pretend that it was uh, the kickoff show for for instead of on the kickoff show. Right. So, all and, right, and no owls. So <laughs> there's that. Yes, it's true. That's true. <laughs> all right, heading into the card, uh, we've got John Cena beating Baron Corbin because of reasons. <laughs> Uh, I think it's pretty clear at this point that Corbin's just, they've decided he's not the guy. And that happens, believe it or not. Uh, occasionally they, they have great plans and grandiose expectations for a guy, and then they get it out there and it just doesn't work for Vince, and they just scale it back. And that's what seems to have happened. However, you move to SmackDown, and it looks like he's smack dab involved in one of their biggest storylines. So who yeah. the fuck knows at this point? But you look at it as, you know, maybe they decided it, it wasn't time for a title change and they didn't want to have him carrying around a briefcase. Uh, having having Cena beat him, though, I I don't really agree with, considering that this was Cena's last SmackDown match, and I thought that would have been a good opportunity to maybe put Baron Corbin over. But, you know, we've seen it before that, you know, uh, they're going to give guys, guys opportunities, and sometimes they become Kevin Owens, 
and sometimes they become Rey Mysterio. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, and, and in this uh, case, they, they decided to pull the plug before even putting the belt on him. Well, let's just go one one thing here. Um, they put Baron Corbin in a match on their second biggest show of the year with the biggest draw in the company. So for that to be a punishment for is a little bit of a stretch to me. Um, knowing that they were planning on moving Cena over to Raw and, and heating up the storyline that it looks like they're heating up with, sending him over with a loss to Corbin doesn't set the story up the same way as him going over at, at, with the victory. Uh, I, I really don't have that big of a problem with this. I don't think it's as big of a deal as a lot of people are making it out to be. Uh, I loved the the briefcase thing the way they did it last week. I really didn't have a problem with this. Uh, and we'll have to see where we go. The, I, there's a long time for Corbin ahead of him. There's not as much time for Cena. Uh, they wanted to tell a specific story when moving Cena to Raw. And I think this was just a part of the way to get to where they want to go. So I was surprised because everybody kind of shit on this match, and I didn't see it live. Uh, I had to go back and watch it after by the time I got home, but it was actually a pretty good match. They had a good, you know, 10-12 minutes. Um, I thought Corbin played his role well, and uh, a little while later, um, maybe the next day, even Road Dog got into it with a Twitter fa- uh, with a fan on Twitter. And the the fan was like, oh, you know, you buried Baron Corbin. You did this, you did that. And Road Dog said, you know, good thing we got 52 weeks in a year to, to bring him back up. Which, uh, you know, I kind of agree with that. I, look, the story is not one page. It's, it's a long story. And I kind of think it does more for the Corbin character right now to be pissed off. And, hey, he had a lot of offense in that match. He got a lot of offense on, like, like you said, Jason, the biggest draw in the company. So, yeah. I didn't have a problem with it. Everybody shit on it so bad, I thought I was going to walk into like what happened with Randy Orton and Rusev. But no, it was match was fine, and I, I didn't think it was that bad. And uh, this just in, Suicide has entered the GFW gauntlet for the gold, so there's my pick well, for the whole thing. Ooh, somebody sue TJ Perkins, because that means he's appearing on other shows. Suicide is my pick to what's going to happen after, after I actually have to watch GFW. <laughs> All right. So, hey, hey, you don't joke that's about that. Funny. That's right. It's super, it's super serious, guys. <laughs> All right. So in in uh, what was a, a complete shock and surprise to everybody, the Damon Kang Kang was back, and he took on Bray Wyatt. Yeah, and, did uh, we have a bet on this, Troy? <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> Pretty sure you wanted to bet about this. At first I did. And then he did it. <laughs> he did not bet. And then I then I didn't because then then WWE was just like, oh, we're not we're not going to tease you anymore. We're going to unzip our pants, lay a cock on the table, and go. This is exactly what you're going to get, <laughs> and you're going to get uh, four minutes and twenty three seconds of thrusting before I come inside of you. And you're just like, all right, I guess that's fine. Well, just give it to us. Just just do it. So yeah, so the Demon Kang Kang. Showed up and defeated Bray Wyatt. You get, and that's uh, apparently all we have to say about. No, that. you guys are gonna <laughs> fucking hate me for my take on this. Um, I loved it. I and maybe it's because I've always been invested in in the Bray Wyatt character and Finn Balor. Um, but I liked the story it told. I liked the little nuance of putting the whole world in his hands in in the opening part of of Finn's entrance. Um, I like that Finn did didn't back down from the crab walk 
he kind of actually rallied against it and it freaked Bray out. Uh, I thought it told a great story, and to be honest, I hope we don't see Bray Wyatt for a long, long time. Keep him off TV. That's the best thing you can do for him. Isn't that what they've been doing for most of his time there? Hey-oh. Um, Yeah, I, I, the match was fine. Again, I don't have any problems with the match. I have a problem with the fact that I saw it the fucking week uh, before. I know. Uh, which I didn't need to see. And somebody brought this point up to me this week, and they they have a valid point. You make a big deal about Finn Balor becoming the demon, except the moveset's all the same, the mannerisms are all the same. There's really nothing that different except he puts face paint on. So I, I would like to see him distinguish the characters a little bit, have him act a little bit differently as the demon than he does as Finn Balor. Um, but overall, I mean, the match was fine for what it was. It just wasn't as... I didn't have as much anticipation for it again because I just saw it. Yeah, we've had that conversation before um, in regards to the demon. He should have a different moveset. He should have a different finishing move as well. I, I know the coup de grace is what it is, but yeah, I mean, this should be a, a, an entirely different persona from him. It should right. be like when, you know, when you look at Cody Rhodes and Starks. Right. Completely different movesets, you know, completely different attitudes and everything like that. Whereas this is just, yeah, he comes down, has a cool entrance, shows his dick to the audience, and, you know, that's it. For a while in NXT, he was using Sunday Bloody Sunday as his finisher. Yeah, the 1918. Yeah, 19, whatever he called it. And that was fine. (laughs) And I definitely would have, you know, preferred that (laughs) instead of uh, the coup de grace, but Vince. 1918. (laughs) Nineteen eighty was the last time we had a solar eclipse. So there you go. That means the Red Sox will be winning the World Series this year. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say nineteen eighteen is what fans from New York used to chant at us every time we played them at Yankee Stadium. Come on, yeah, now. but fuck those people. It's a butt fuck them. It's nineteen sixty, by the way. Whatever. Oh, whatever. Close yeah. enough. Uh, what killed it he for me was anymore, the next night Finn comes out and he's just normal Finn again. And I'm like, ah, the fuck? Well, no, that's fine. You can't have – he can't be the demon every No, but just, I would have kept him off TV. There's no po- – see, that's the thing. He goes back to being just another guy at the show. He, If he's not going to have a real storyline, he doesn't need to be on TV. he got to take on the biggest star in the company star. right now. <laughs> you don't believe that. <laughs> That's how he's being promoted. Yeah. Yeah, the other thing, too, is, you know, we, we, we look at Bray, and Bray really needs to have a, a certain type of person against him. And it's not Finn Balor. He needs to it's have... It's Randy Orton. Randy Orton was one of the better feuds he, he had. That's true. Right it was memorable. started to fuck with it. And that's because of the fact that Orton is much more of a normal straight guy, whereas Bray is all kooky crazy. When you have Bray being kooky crazy up against a guy who's also kooky crazy... It's it's just too much, and that's what the the issue was with Finn Balor was was like, you know, oh, we're going into this whole demon thing and stuff like that. It's like, well, you know, it's it's two weirdos fighting each other, <laughs> and that doesn't work. That doesn't work as well for Bray. Bray needs to be the kind of crazy and have the other person in the match be like, what the fuck is going on with this guy, you know? And you don't really have that when your opponent comes out in face paint. You're just like, Bella, you look kind of funny. <laughs> I like your face paint, brother. <laughs> you know what was really missing from this match was laser eyes. That's yes. really, really yeah. Yes. Could have used that. A little bit more blood. A little bit more blood. All right. So maybe some arson. He that fucking would help. referenced it go. again at SummerSlam. Michael Cole was like, 
he poured that acidic acidic liquid on him on Monday. No, he fucking didn't. Shut up. I really viscous acidic, viscous liquid. acidic liquid. God fuck. Look, look. We'll we'll get into my reaction to the Sasha Banks Elixir match later. <laughs> but right now we've got to talk about the fact that Big K defeated the Big Show because Big Enzo put some baby lotion on himself and squeezed out of the shark cage. This is the fucking dumbest thing. <laughs> First off, <laughs> the, like nobody cared. Nobody gave a shit about this match going into it, and it was pretty obvious by the fucking crowd reaction. Okay, there's no logic to this because you're taking the fucking face and putting him in the mm-hmm. shark cage. It's, I think pretty sure that's the first time in the history of fucking wrestling the face has been the one that had to be kept in the shark cage. Okay. Second of all. He got halfway fucking out before he lubed himself up. And why the fuck is he running around with a bottle of lube attached to him? And why did he have to take off his shorts to do it, okay? <laughs> just, you want to show your dick, just show your dick, okay? Let's not dance around it anymore. You never Man, know You never know when, uh, when uh, the honey's going to get by. You know what I'm saying? So they do this whole fucking thing. He gets out of the cage. Does he jump off the top of the cage and have a high spot on Cass where maybe Cass even catches him? And he goes, oh, my God, what power. No, he fucking falls to the ground, just eats a boot to the face, and he's fucking done. What was the goddamn That's point? That's the fucking yeah. thing. If you're going to have him get out of the cage, have Cass not face him and have Enzo do a dive off of the cage onto Cass. Instead, you wasted it. He slowly goes down, hanging on the cage, and Cass just kicks him in the face. You literally just fucking repeated everything I said. But that drove me. I didn't mind him oiling himself up. I thought it was stupid, but it was kind of funny. But Dude, all right, that's the clip we're going to use in your intro from now on. By I don't mind him oiling himself up. <laughs> yeah. You know, what What would have been really good on this is if Enzo would have been able to get out of that cage, uh, then, you know, Big Cass wouldn't have seen him, and then Enzo would have attacked him from behind. But instead, he got a boot to the face and got Right. It was. all right uh smathers on the side over here uh don't you have lube strapped to your leg (laughs) i never go without my mint flavored lube i don't know i don't know who's eating lube (laughs) i i guess i'm glad it's not lube flavored I would, I would imagine Smathers was more like Bubble Young oh, or Fun Dip or something ooh. like that. Yeah. Oh, man. Terrible. Well, <laughs> at least at least your your jokes are fresh and young. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is when Sal goes, yeah, I'd imagine him like with bubblegum flavor. like some... <laughs> <laughs> Jason's got some editing to do. All right. So... <laughs> uh, in a, a match that didn't have... That lasted 10... <laughs> In a match that lasted 10 seconds, Randy Orton defeated Rusev with the RKO out of nowhere. Look, I'm not going to be as down on this as some other people are. Uh, I didn't think this was as big a deal. I thought Rusev kicked the shit out of him for a few minutes. I thought they needed to save some time. They did it here. Uh, to me, this was the beginning of this story, and people are portraying it as though it was the blow-off in the end. I don't think it was. Uh, I'm pretty sure that this is going to continue, and I was okay with this as the kind of opening salvo of this story. You think Rusev and Randy Orton is going to continue? Yep. Dude, I wouldn't be what surprised if we do? never see Rusev on TV again until he gets <sighs> released. And I'm being serious. Why? Because I've heard so many things about, he. first of all, that he asked for his release. Okay, that that was actually 100% incorrect. That was Bill that, Bahiti making shit up again. Yeah, that is 100% incorrect because Rusev is not like some other wrestlers 
who sit there and go, I don't like how I'm being used. I'm going to go quit. I'm going to go and be an MMA fighter. He's the kind of guy who understands that right now, this is the position he's in. He's been down before, and he came right back up again when the time was needed and became U.S. champion and had a great run. The guy, yes, he's, he is kind of up and down, but he's also been injured a couple of times, and they don't always know what to do with him. But he's he just came back from an injury, and I don't know how you can see he's not being used. He's against a nineteen time or a thirteen time world champion on SummerSlam, and yes, you know he lost the match, but he was still in a match. The fact that so, neither yeah, of them he, even had a promo on SmackDown makes me think the story is dead. Do you think Sami Zayn would have loved to be in that spot at SummerSlam? No, Sami Zayn asked for his release too. <laughs> Sami Zayn went all the way to Brooklyn to do a uh, fucking backstage segment with Kevin Owens for five yes. minutes. That's yeah. all he did the entire fucking weekend. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure Ty Dillinger would just kill to take an RKO from Randy Orton and 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 die in twenty five five seconds. Right, Ty Dillinger. Yeah, didn't have one of the quote unquote main events at WrestleMania thirty one. Ty Dillinger wasn't built as a monster three years ago and has been doing shit since. To the point where you know what the, they don't even know what to do with Lana the, anymore, and they put her with Tamina. Seriously? So you're saying that the Miz should have asked for his release? He may have entered a WrestleMania, beat John Cena for the t- to retain a title, and then was not used for like a year and a half. And now look where he's at. He, If he holds that title until February, he will be the longest reigning uh, Intercontinental Champion in the history of the company for combined reigns. The guy is probably going to retire with more title, with more intercontinental title reigns than than Chris Jericho. He's a future Hall he, of Famer. He's a Hall I, of Famer. I would right? agree yeah. with that. But do I you, would also say but, that there was a point where you really could have seen Miz getting released. Maybe two years ago, when you know, way before Maurice came back, where he was barely on the show. You know, maybe he'd come in and get squashed real quick, but. But there's a difference between he might have been released by the company and asking for his release. And everyone is saying that Rusev is asking for his release, not that the company is thinking about getting rid of True. Rusev. You know, Rusev wasn't really an, an independent scene kind of guy. He was for a little bit, but it was quickly swooped up by the WWE. And he's where he needs to be. His wife works here, too. Oh, yeah. You know, and he is. Yes, he's still getting paid. He's still on TV. Not as much as I'm sure he'd like to be, but you know what? He's been in that position before. He'd made the best of the little bit of time that he had up and given, and he worked his way back up the card again. He'll be back there again. He's too good of a talent not to be. It's just that right now they have other plans in place. Yeah, wrestling's all about timing. It's got to be the right place, the right time for the right guy. It just hasn't been that moment yet for Rusev, but I really have no doubt it will be. We've talked about it on this show before. He happens to have the misfortune at this point of being on SmackDown where the mid-card belt is dominated by your main event players. That is fucking up a lot of those guys, and he's one of them. He's not... He can't go in there and defend the honor of America against Jinder Mahal or or anything like that, and AJ and, and Owens have been locked up with each other, so there hasn't been that opportunity for him. Go back a couple months, at least at that point, prior to them deciding to go with Jinder, the plan... At the time, ironically enough, was Orton and and Rusev for the championship. Now we're getting to Orton and Rusev. It's not for the title, but we're getting that fucking program. 
Yeah, and there's only there's there's only a set amount of time before we do elevate AJ Styles back up to the main event. Right, right. He's he's not going to hold that NXT belt. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd argue maybe he's in the main event. Oh, he's in the main event, but I'm talking about him going after the title. The the talk, of yeah. course, has been him and and Shinsuke Nakamura at WrestleMania for the title. Right. We we do know that that's kind of pencil in. Go answer your phone. Um, we do know that's kind of pencil in right now, but you know, you don't think Jinder's going to hold the title to WrestleMania? I we're we're going to get to it, but I was surprised that he uh, he retained. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I I mean. He's he's continuing to to have the belt. Oh, we'll just go ahead and, and skip to that one right now. Jinder Mahal defeated Shinsuke Nakamura with the help of the Singh brothers, uh, in in what actually was a pretty decent match. Um, you know, Shinsuke isn't isn't hurt at all by by the loss because the Singh brothers did obviously get involved. Um, and of course, we didn't have have Baron Corbin to uh, to interfere with all in this match. But yeah, so Jinder Mahal still the WWE champion. Yeah, this one felt to me almost like maybe it got cut for time or something. The ending felt a little rushed and abrupt. Uh, and there was another match later on that we'll talk about where I sort of felt the same way. Uh, it just felt like the ending kind of came out of nowhere here. There wasn't really much of a build to that moment. Uh, Mahal, of course, fucked up his own finisher at the end and didn't hit it right, which, you know, is never a great Ugh. look, uh, especially when the camera's right on you while you do it. Uh, but... The saving graces as it appears on SmackDown. They're going to continue this story, and hopefully that is going to eventually lead to uh, the title coming off of Jinder, hopefully. I think it's fine um, that Shinsuke didn't win. I was a little bit surprised of how not only that Jinder won, but how he won. But, um, you know, it would have been probably even more of a shock if they put the belt on Shinsuke that quick. Uh, yeah, Jinder fucking up his finisher is... Ugh, it's just... Bleh. Um, I gotta say, the Sing thing is getting a little bit old. You know, they didn't even hit Nakamura. They just kind of distracted him. You know, eight to eight of Kinshasa each. And then uh, that was enough for Jinder to lock him in the Coloss. Which is probably the worst fucking move for him right now. He needs something else. He needs either like a... A power move or, or even freaking clothesline from hell at this point would probably work better for Jinder. Oh, I have no problem with that as his finisher. I mean, Cody used it for a while as Dream Street. Or no, Ted DiBiase, sorry, used it. Ted DiBiase, Ted DiBiase Jr. 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 Yeah. for a while. Um, but so I don't have a problem with the move. I just, you know, execute your finisher correctly. <laughs> That's all. All right, so. Jason. Yes. What do, what does Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle, and Dean Ambrose have in common? Um well only one of them is a Hall of Famer that dressed up like the fucking colonel at the pay per view. But that may be true, but all of them are Grand Slam champions. Thanks to Ambrose and Rollins fisting their way to the Raw Tag Team titles. Interesting note, side note to this. For the first time ever, we see Ambrose come. Uh, Ambrose and Rollins both come out wearing black and red. That was nice. Uh, anyone notice what colors Roman Reigns was wearing for black his match? Red. I'm just saying. <clears throat> Shield, ta- Shield reunion I, confirmed. Are you? No, no, no. I think you. What you meant to say was NWO Wolfpack reunion. <laughs> um, no, I mean I, this is that was where I foresee them going that was how i booked the show 
and when we did our predictions, you know, like I said, I'm booking the show how I would do it for creative purposes. Oh, how you would do it. Yes, um, Vince, of course. That's that's what I said. I'm not booking trying to guess what they do anymore. I'm booking at how I would do it if I wanted to make the best show. Mm-hmm. And to me, the best show is Roman Reigns winning the title with Seth and Ambrose reuniting as heel faction to go on to feud with the, the club. Spoiler, but, spoiler alert, that didn't happen. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Troy, give Vince some time. He has, time. He's, he'll get there. Wait till WrestleMania. <laughs> well, goddamn, so. Yeah, uh, really good Roll match. on that. Yep. <laughs> Uh, really good match. Um, it was it was interesting to see that uh, you know Sheamus didn't immediately disappear on Monday night, but uh, was still there. So, but that that's that's coming soon here because uh, we know that he does have a, a movie to yes. to film. Yeah, movie. I wasn't sure if it was a movie or TV show, but yeah. Uh, but cool. yeah, so um, we got uh, we got new tag team champions, and I couldn't be happier because honestly, Sheamus and Cesaro weren't really doing it for me anymore. Plus Seth Dick, yes. Plus Seth Dick, and um, and and Tumblr was uh, just creaming themselves over this match. Yeah, the match was good. I thought this was the first match that kind of brought the crowd back. Uh, we're gonna get into the beach ball stuff in, in a little oh. bit, not to play spoiler here. Um, but Sp- spoiler, we talk about balls. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I thought this match was really good. I thought the ending was fucking phenomenal. That sequence was tremendous. Very creative. Very well executed. Uh, I enjoyed it. I have no problem with it. It's what I expected would happen, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where they go. My only question now is, at this point, who are they feuding with? Because the Hardys thing they sort of did on Raw looked more like a one-off to me than a program. Um, And there's not a whole lot of other heel tag teams on Raw for them to work with, unless, you know, there's a certain book that has a couple of authors you know, but I think they're headed to SmackDown. So I don't know. You could do that. Are you saying that? But you, are you saying that, si- that Simon Dean is coming? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's always the club. No, Austin Aries is coming back. He just uh-huh. wrote a book. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Why am I a piece of shit by exactly. Austin Aries? <laughs> I mean, you could always do the club uh, against the Ambrose and Rollins. You can do a makeshift team for now. I I was uh, pleasantly surprised with how you know marking out the entire Brooklyn crowd was for this. They love them some shield, even if it's just Ambrose and Rollins. And I think it's fine for them at this point. I'd rather see them do that than do nothing. Uh, Yeah, I I am interested to see where it goes. I'm assuming maybe Sheamus stays enough for a rematch at No Mercy and then goes and films his movie. And then either Cesaro gets a new partner or he re-enters the singles division. I'm sort of thinking that maybe when uh, Sheamus goes off to film his movie, Cesaro gets a new partner, mm-hmm. and, uh, or you know maybe they'll just move him into the uh, singles division. Fine. <laughs> you had to know that of was course. coming, Sal. I was I wasn't paying en- I wasn't paying enough attention to actually do to continue the bit, so I'm just going to go ahead and move on from there. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's let's talk about some ladies. Sasha Banks. Oh, you're gonna go there? Is, okay. Yes, because we have this little this little file that you can actually look at that tells you the exact order I'm going to go in. <laughs> if you wanted to open that up, uh, yeah. So Sasha Banks finally won the Raw Women's Championship on a pay per view. She hasn't defended on a pay per view yet, though. That's true. That's been her real Achilles heel. That's true. Uh, 
this was the other match that I thought had a really abrupt kind of surprising ending. Like, it just seemed to come out of nowhere. There was Alexis reaching for the ropes in the bank statement that didn't really have a tremendous exchange to set it up. And then just all of a sudden taps out of nowhere when it looks like she probably was close enough to the ropes. Uh, don't really know why that happened. I don't know if they got told to go home early or, or what happened there, but that definitely seemed a little weird and, and, and abrupt to me the way they ended it. Otherwise, I thought the match was really good. I like the fact that, you know, people know these two girls really don't like each other, um, but they're still able to be professional and have, have a really good match. And I think that just adds a certain intensity to it when they, you know, work stiff with each other. You're sitting there going, oh, yeah, I bet that was real. <laughs> you know, it's, I, it adds to it to me when, when you can sort of add that element of these two don't like each other to it. I enjoyed the match quite a bit. Uh, you weren't the only one who was surprised by the finish. It seemed like Michael Cole was a little bit off guard as he said that, uh, you know, Sasha doesn't have it all the way hooked in, and then all of a sudden Alexa taps, and he's like, oh, she tapped! Holy shit! Uh, I, I definitely liked the... It's boss yeah. time! I definitely <sighs> liked the match. Um, it will be interesting to see, you know, where this goes. I would love to see Sasha getting a long title run, but uh, uh, this is Vince McMahon we're talking about, and God knows he doesn't like himself some boss time. Stop it. Stop it now. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, Sasha being a, a what, four-time women's champion now, um, I'm I'm cool with it. You know, I think that, that, that ties it with Charlotte now, right? That's right. So... Yeah. And they're um, both on pace to break Ric Flair's 17 world title oh, range and by by next June. So, um. that's true. That is true. Um, yeah, it was it was a good match. You know, um, Alexa's fine. You know, taking a loss like loss in here, she's not going to lose any kind of steam. People still love her. She's still obviously the the company's still way behind her. So, uh, yeah, I mean it's it's nice for a change, and we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah, she's the uh, the poster girl for the No Mercy show, and those commercials she, she are amazing. Uh, oh, I don't know if you've seen gosh. some of them. They are Tremendous. they they gave me the uh, the creepiest boner. The creepiest. <laughs> Somehow I doubt that's the creepiest boner. <laughs> All time creepiest. That's true. It's probably not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving oh. on to the SmackDown women. Uh, oh god. Oh boy. All right, oh, so moving God. on to the main event. So moving um, on. And I knew you guys <laughs> so, were going to do that. Uh, yeah, so Natalia won. She's the women's champion now. And for whatever reason, we didn't get a cash-in. So Natalia, <sighs> it's 2017. And the women of SmackDown are led by Natalia. So Cesaro... Okay, Cesaro, <laughs> who teamed with Tyson Kidd for like six months, put on a picture perfect sharpshooter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Natalia, who fucks him <laughs> with the hearts and, and lives with Tyson Kidd, still hasn't put on the sharpshooter correctly. Once again, did it wrong. It's like she learned it from The Rock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Maybe she learned it from her father. This match. I will say this. This match had some spots that were better than I expected it to be. Uh, Naomi reversing out of the sharpshooter by throwing Natalia into the corner. I thought was a really nice spot. I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, I thought you were going to say Naomi crying at the end was a really nice spot. 
I, I like that as a touch. I thought it was nice, too. It's personalizing the characters. That's always a good thing to me. That's something they don't do enough of, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you have a an interest in this character. You feel emotions for them. That's what they should be doing instead of just being fucking automatrons like Natalia is portrayed as. Um, it makes I, more I'm, sense for her to cry than for Charlotte. True. Which we've yeah. seen Charlotte do way too many times. Yeah, I, I would have liked to uh, have Natalia with a celebratory fart. I thought that was really nice. <laughs> Um, just walk over and rip one in Naomi's face. Yeah, like, just so excited. Or or give or give her the uh, the thing on the ropes where she pulls her into her asshole and fart at the same time. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of her own medicine. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, all in all, I, I had very low expectations for this match, so it exceeded the expectations I had. It wasn't that bad. I just wish we could get off this illusion that Natalia is a great wrestler. Because she's, she's not. not. She's exactly. okay. She's not. She sucks. She's okay. She sucks. But she's on on the pecking order of women wrestlers in the WWE at this point. She's sixth, seventh, eighth, maybe. Uh, and that's just on the main roster. So that doesn't even factor in your Oscars and your Embers. Uh, but let her have a quick little brief run, and, and we'll see what they do with it. I used to love the women's division on SmackDown and the direction it was going in, and I haven't since Alexa left. Um, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with Naomi. I don't understand what the point of putting the belt on Natalia is. It's just, like Troy said, it's fucking 2017. There could have been anybody else you could put. You could have gave Tamina that spot, and you could have made her, and maybe that's where they'll go, but I, and the worst part is, is when they went to you know, another video package right exactly. after. And I'm like, damn it, no fucking cash in. Because I would have loved to see Carmella come out there and hit her with the briefcase and then pin her. I'm sorry, we're talking we're, we're talking about a mediocre, to, a decent to mediocre wrestler with no promo skills, and your suggestion is to replace her with Tamina? At least Lana can talk. Lana can talk for her. I don't want Lana to be a manager anymore. Mm. If you're gonna be, if Lana's gonna be a manager, she should be a manager for Rusev. I don't want her being a manager for Tamina. But we'll get into that, I guess, a little bit later when we yeah. talk about. But Smackdown. does Natalia <laughs> really interest you as women's champion? I mean, it, to me, it's fucking terrible. Natalia doesn't well, interest me as a woman. <laughs> so I don't see. <laughs> I think her husband said the same thing. Uh, He's totally gay, by the way. <laughs> Uh, I, I I'm I'm willing to give it a shot and see what they do with it. To me, it's it's largely a vehicle to get to the the Carmella cash in. Uh, my guess, off the top of my head, is the crying by Naomi is to set her up as an emotional favorite. She'll have this long war with Natalia, to, you know, just scrape out a victory and then make chicken shit Carmella even more of a heel for coming in and stealing the title from her at that point. I think that's where we're going, if I had to guess now, and this was just a chapter in the book. The problem is everybody wants the book to be one chapter, and then it's done. They're telling a story here. This was a part of the story. I'm okay waiting to see where it goes. I'm not the biggest Natalia fan, obviously, uh, but I think there is an interesting story they could tell with her as champion for a while. We'll see. All as right. long as they have Becky Lynch tap out to her a few more times. Uh, yes. <laughs> the best the best way to put over Natalia is to have her beat uh, better wrestlers. So, all right, moving right along to our main event. Somehow, Brock Lesnar retained his championship. Fuck's sake. <laughs> well, you know what? I think we might get hashtag epic rant from Sal if we let Sal go first. So, Sal, the floor is yours on this one. Go ahead, Bell. 
Actually, I, the match was fantastic. The match was a gr you know, hard hitting as you would expect from these four. Uh, the Brooklyn crowd was really into it. I liked the idea of Strowman putting Lesnar through two tables and then taking a table and throwing it on top of him. I completely bought in when he was carted out. I was like, that's it. They're just going to turn this into a tri triple threat and he doesn't have to be pinned. But to have him come back and win the title, for me, you could have done it. You know, you could have put an explanation point if you put the belt on someone else. Personally, I would have preferred Joe. But even if they went with Strowman, I thought it would have been, you know, more epic. And obviously, if the Shield came down to help Roman win, I would have been all in for that. Having Brock win it is kind of just same old, same old. Um, okay, so I loved the match. I thought the match was great. I thought it was scripted beautifully. And I thought they did a great job because at the beginning, Brock just took fucking everything. He took the spear through the barricade. He went through two power slams through two tables. They set up him needing to be carted out tremendously. I, I said to my wife, I was like, watch before the end of the night, he's coming back into this match. And I didn't. I thought they sent him back a little early. I would have maybe let him sit out a little bit longer just to sell it. Uh, him coming back so soon kind of took away some of the impact of him getting carted out to me. Uh, but I thought uh, everyone had an opportunity to shine. I thought everyone came out looking good. I was a little surprised Joe didn't take the pin and said they went with the pin on Roman. Uh, but all in all, I, I thought this was easily the best match of the night. And uh, proof that perhaps the WWE, for all we talk about work rate, is still just a big man territory because the moment, the fans gave the moment when when Brock and Braun went face-to-face -face in the middle of the ring with everybody out, those were those, that was one of those electric moments that you can't just manufacture. It just has to happen organically. And I thought uh, it was a good setup for the next pay-per-view. Word. <laughs> Thanks, so, <Rick>. that, yep. <laughs> That's all we got to say. But I mean, you know, Lesnar having the belt at this point, whatever. It's the universal title. It, it's not a real title, anyways. <laughs> so I'm not. I'm not too too concerned about it. It it would have been nice to see one of these other three guys win it. Even yes, Roman Reigns, who we both chose as the the winner of this match. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, but uh, all of them still look great. All of them, you know, having having these four guys in the main event is is great going forward. Um, you know, yes, we'd like to eventually excise Brock Lesnar out of that situation and just have maybe these three guys and maybe even elevate somebody else to to, to do another four way. But all in all, you know, it was it was a fine closeout to the to the show. Um, you know, a, a big moment obviously for Brock to retain and and for him to retain the way he did. So. So I guess we'll go with the overall thoughts on SummerSlam. Um, I would say that uh, I thought it was a decent show. Obviously, you know, looking at TakeOver, TakeOver definitely had uh, the bigger moments and probably the better matches. Uh, but SummerSlam was good, uh, considering how bloated it was. Yeah, I thought TakeOver once again outshined the main roster counterparts. Uh, as per usual, overall, I'd give SummerSlam probably a C minus, C, maybe a solid C. Uh, way too much downtime, way too many matches that didn't have any impact, um, and way too little uh, 
suspense or interest or any anything new, any compelling. Uh, there were a couple matches, and they pretty much bookended the beginning of the show at the end of the kickoff and then the end of the pay-per-view, and everything in between was sort of... The tag match for the Raw titles was good. Everything else in between was sort of meh. You've heard the cliche that everybody says these days that, you know, everybody worked hard during this pay-per-view. And I think we're in a time period now where uh, the athleticism as well as the work rate is at an all-time high, and the booking is not matching that. And it's really not fair. You know, you got such a talented roster, literally the best wrestlers in the world. And other than the main event, everything else the crowd could give two shits less about. Yes, you had Ambrose and Rollins. That was kind of a moment. And obviously the crowd popped for Finn, even though they told us we were getting the demon the entire week. But there was a lot more stories that they could have told at SummerSlam that for whatever reason they decide not to. And um, yeah, if you're not going to book world-class talent, then, then nobody's going to care. And I think that's a lot of the problem because it's not it's not the work rate. And obviously it can be done. If you look at what Triple H is doing with NXT... You can make people compelling. If you don't make them compelling, people are going to be throwing beach balls around. That is one fucking hell of a segue, Sal. <laughs> I, I, I take it we're ready to talk about balls. Let's do. Let's talk about balls. Let's talk about balls. All right, now I put this on here because I have a lot of shit to say on this topic, okay? Um, I was listening to our good friends, uh, Mike Crockett and Brian Malone's wrestling podcast about nothing. Uh, I ran into Brian Malonis last night at UFO Wrestling, and we had quite a heated, spirited discussion about this. Uh, and he's approaching it from the perspective of your worker, your your wrestler who feels disrespected by the notion of the fans throwing beach balls during a show. And, and I totally understand and appreciate where he's coming from. That said, I totally get it. And I get it for a couple reasons. First off... It's not the fan's job to make sure that the product is compelling. It's the creative department's job to make sure the stories are compelling. And they don't throw beach balls around at the NXT shows. They're not throwing beach balls around during the main event. They're not throwing beach balls around when The Rock shows up. When you're given compelling characters, compelling stories that interest you, you focus on them. When you're given matches like... Naomi and Natalia, and meant to believe this is the best you can do for your second best card of the year. Yeah, you're gonna get when you get Enzo and Cass in a fucking Enzo in a shark cage and Cass in the Big Show. Yeah, that's not the best you can do. That's not compelling. That's not interesting. People are gonna rally against that. Now, over and above all that, please do not sit there and tell me that you're offended. WWE by the fact that people are throwing beach balls when you yourself put together a WWE 24 about the crowd the night after WrestleMania hyping up and putting over this type of behavior from your audience. You've encouraged it. You've promoted it. You've made an entire fucking special out of it. So please don't sit there and then be offended by it when you've created this monster. Thirdly, I understand where Cesaro is coming from. Except now he's made it a game with the crowd. Now instead of getting rid of the beach balls, he's challenged them to do more because he reacted to it. It got a huge pop when he did it, 
But I guarantee you there's a lot of people going, oh, maybe if I bring my beach ball, he'll do that. And then I'll be able to say he popped my beach ball. And he made it a thing for the crowd, a competition, big mistake. And that's we're going to see a lot more of it now. Um, Except we're not because beach balls have now been banned from all WWE events. Yes, because there's no way anybody could sneak a beach ball <laughs> in after that. Right. Yeah. It's a it's um, an item that is literally can ball you can you can put into a tiny little ball and stick right up under your crotch there and just yeah. be like I am packing. Yeah, you put a ball in your balls. Yeah, you um, put a ball in your balls. Yeah, this this to me was a huge mistake in, in every way involved. But uh, to sit there and blame the fans, you know what? Put a better product out there. As I said earlier, NXT doesn't have this problem because they give the fans a product that's so exciting they don't want to sit there and play beach balls. They want to watch what they're getting. I don't blame the fans. I'll tell you this. Can you imagine anybody not having their eyes focused on Austin versus Rock? Or or even, even Brock versus Angle. People were focused on that match. They wanted to see every single second of it. I don't blame the fans. I don't necessarily blame Cesaro. I think he did something uh, in the moment that he felt like, you know, what the fuck? I'm working here. These people need to pay attention. You you are correct. It's going to have a negative reaction where more people are going to do it now. But it doesn't help when Raw goes off the air. And when they're dark in Brooklyn, John Cena goes out there and thanks everybody for being crazy. Thanks, everybody, for having fun. Thanks, everybody, for having a good time. You guys in Brooklyn, you do you. I'm sure that's not going to encourage people to do it ten times more. I don't know why. Troy, your thoughts on balls. I don't know why you're yelling so much. (laughs) Uh, It's one of those kinds of things where I understand in certain matches, I understand in certain, certain situations, what I don't like is... You know, we're throwing on beach balls in this match, and this match was good. You know, um, we've had it before where you know really good matches have been shit on, or they're, they're doing the wave and things like that, or, or we're, we're booing the women even though they're having a great segment. Uh, you know, sometimes you know crowds can be their worst enemy, be not only their worst enemy but our worst enemy too, and can can ruin some things. And sometimes they're the they're the reason why you know we get goosebumps, you know, by the reactions on things. So. It's kind of a double-edged sword. You're you're gonna deal with it, but yeah, I'm with you. Shouldn't have made a thing about it. Definitely shouldn't have kind of talked about it. And you know, they they love their whole you know post WrestleMania crowd, and then it's like, well, then we have a problem when we're not post WrestleMania, and the same thing is happening with a different crowd. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. So, and we'll get to so, it yeah. because their the fans' reactions in Brooklyn continued after SummerSlam. Yeah, Brooklyn could suck my dick. Um, so, uh, speaking of guys who suck, Big Cass wound up blowing out his knee in a Brooklyn street fight against uh, Enzo Amore. Yeah, blew out his ACL and potentially his medial meniscus. Uh, recovery time somewhere about nine months. And uh, you got to wonder what this does to the push of Cass. Maybe by the time he comes back, they just go with the reuniting of the tag team for the crowd pop who knows uh edzo would have to still be employed if that to be which is a stretch he's he's the uh he puts the g in 205 live speaking of which vince why did you wait so long to send the 205 live man 
I, dude, I told you he was going to end he, up on 205 Live months ago. Y'all told me I was fucking crazy. He had a, he had a storyline. So, you know, uh, I guess we should have made this a cast injury slash to, you know, Enzo to 205 Live. But, yeah, um, Enzo gives a much-needed charisma to 205 Live, but he definitely lacks in the in-ring performance. And if we remember, that's what was supposed to be the, the, the crowning achievement of the Cruiserweights was their in-ring stuff. And now it seems like we're turning more to, ah, fuck it, let's just make it like a regular thing, and whoever can pop the crowd, whoever can bring in bring in eyes, we're gonna put them on over, you know, somebody who can do, a four fifty tope splash or something Eventually, like that. There's a Eventually, you have the ability to make Cedric Alexander the centerpiece of that division. For now, Enzo got the biggest pop I've heard on two hundred five live in months. Let him have a little program with Neville. I'm sure he's not going to win the title. And even if he does, it won't be for long. Neville will probably win it right back. He's not the long-term answer, but he's definitely a short-term pop that can help them out. If I told you a week ago that Natalia was going to be SmackDown champion, would you have said, there's no way Natalia would win the championship? <laughs> Don't put it past the man. Enzo's going to be a Cruiserweight champion. Fucking Akira Tozawa was a champion for four days. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, this is a... Uh... This is a, a thing they're going to try out, I think, more than anything else. Um, we'll see. I, I, there's a part of me that's morbidly curious to see Enzo, Enzo versus Neville and see how good Neville actually is, if you can carry him to a good program, good match. Uh, it's going to be some of the best mic work we've probably seen on 205 Live between the two of them. Um, interested to see where this goes. Why the ugly Bill Cosby sweater, though? When he came out at 205 Live. Because it's, it's Enzo. Enzo. Yeah. Because that's pretty much the answer. Real, uh, staying in the real r- quick on Big Cass. Um, this might be the best thing for him. Uh, Jason, you've mentioned before that he was a shiny new toy, and once Vince was done with him, he's going to go right back in the toy box. I don't think his feud with the Big Show was going to do anything. I know he, he was primed for a main event spot. I don't see where. I think if he goes away for a while, it's probably the best thing. If he com- When he comes back, book him like a monster, and you'll have something there. Yeah, skinny fat test is... Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens when he comes back. That's, uh, we, that's wish him skinny the, fat test with girl hair. <laughs> yes. Uh, wish him the best in his recovery. Hope he gets, he gets better and uh, comes back healthier and stronger than ever. And hopefully for him in better shape, and then Vince will be all back on him. Mm-hmm. But right. here's an interesting note. Think back to the NXT days. If I told you two years from WrestleMania two years ago that Carmella would be the most successful part of that act, what would you have said? I would have said, you're the same dude who said that Bailey was gonna, was not going to make it to the main roster version. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right on both accounts, so... Yeah, I mean, she she's doing good. Uh, she wasn't as mishandled as uh, as her her compatriots were. Who Carmella? Well, see, she was she was yeah. yeah she was to me miscast horribly from the beginning as a face. Right. Once they gave her that heel turn, it really just changed everything. And the lack of balls to make heel turns with guys is, I think, part of what's hurting their product. Um, uh, I hate to say it, but I think Ellsworth helps that character. Tremendously. Tremendously. Absolutely. Yep. Um, even when he reached up and grabbed the briefcase of Money in the Bank, it did ultimately help Carmella out. 
All right. So, um, unless we... <laughs> I thought there was more to that. Cell no, I thought, yeah, so I thought you were going to respond to it. So whatever. <laughs> I was right. yawning. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Um, we had a, a, a kind of a kayfabe pi- a pipe bomb, um, you know, where uh, the Miz came out and talked about the fact that uh, he was unhappy with the IC belt not being defended at SummerSlam. So apparently he's a listener to this show. Hey, Miz, how you doing, man? I like you. I've always liked you. <laughs> Uh, so thoughts on the on the Miz promo? Great promo. Uh, to me, it's 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 what he did on Talking Smack Part Two. Only this time he did it on USA Network, and yeah, you know what? He's absolutely fucking right on all his points. Even if he's just working, it works so good for the Miz character. You know, he needs to be front and foremost. He needs to be a focal point. And him coming out there and saying that in the faces of of people like Roman Reigns and and uh Samoa Joe it's great. I mean this is where Miz needs to be. He needs to be elevated to the to the main event and to the top of the show. Yeah, this is the type of thing where Miz is at his best when he can sort of play his underappreciated card uh and do it in a promo style that that and and he didn't allow Cena to rattle him when he got the name of the arena wrong and Cena sort of rubbed it in his face. He he just rolled with it and, and used it later on against Cena. I thought it's brilliant, and it's why Miz is one of the best performers in the company when you put a mic on him, and it's a tragedy how underutilized he has been since the Superstar shakeup. Well, don't worry. He might be getting sent back to SmackDown. After all, we get another Superstar shakeup happening pretty soon. Maybe not. That seems like uh, um, the the couple of debuts that we're going to talk about a little bit here and Cena moving over might have been it, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, speaking of Cena, though, uh, Cena versus Reigns is this a match that we care to watch? Absolutely. This is the match I wanted for SummerSlam. This is what I fucking said going into SummerSlam. This is what I said should be the main event of WrestleMania. This is Rock versus Hogan. This is passing the torch one generation's biggest guy to another generation's biggest guy. This is the biggest match they have currently on their roster. And we talked about how the fans react in this situation. I popped huge for you both suck. I don't know about you guys. Uh, When the crowd started chanting that at them, I I was done. That was just the, the highlight of the night for me. I popped huge when Cena's like, well, I'm not here to talk. And that was it. That's all he needed to say to me. Um, I love the idea of this match. God, I fucking wish they did it at SummerSlam. You could have moved pieces around, and that would have been a huge draw for this year's SummerSlam. But going with the match at No Mercy, I don't know, man. Do you, you really think they're actually going to go through with it, or are they just teasing this till maybe a Royal Rumble or a WrestleMania even? It would be really hard if you're starting the program now to hold it off. I mean, you can get away with, oh, these other guys interrupted. We have a tag match for a couple weeks, maybe a pay-per-view. But you've planted the seeds now. It's going to be hard to sort of hold it off that long. They did with Rock and Cena for almost a year. Well, no, 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 because Rock was No, they weren't there all the time. But John Cena, (laughs) I thought he was getting ready to go away again. I thought he was filming um, the Transformers movie. Well... You have to have a compelling reason for him to go away on storyline, though. Yeah, and that compelling reason is the big dog. The big dog. <laughs> the bog dog took him out. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, I don't have anything to say about this because I think I skipped this video. Balor Jordan out of nowhere. Ugh. Yeah, it started with uh, Jason Jordan going to Kurt Angle and saying, hey, I don't want any preferential but... treatment, but I want to <laughs> fight. I want to fight Finn Balor this week. 
and uh, Kurt going, well, I don't want to give you any preferential treatment, but uh, how about you fight Finn Balor this week? Um, yeah, just, it was weird. It's, it's worse it's, because it's, Kurt goes, are you sure you're ready for that type of competition? I mean, you yeah. are kind of a jobber, but you think you're ready. By the way, they're father and son, right? <laughs> So Mark Jason Black Jordan walks. Jason Jordan walks in, and Kurt's Kurt's greeting to his, to his son is, "Hey, it's always good to see you." <laughs> That's what I have to say because we're on camera now. Uh-huh. That's so weird. Um, the match itself was fine, I guess. It was a little weird that you have these two faces who you're both trying to get over as faces. Uh, the crowd didn't really seem to care much, and I don't really get what the point of having. I, maybe you're trying to put a picture in people's heads that that Jordan's on Balor's level by putting them in the ring together, but I think at this point he sort of needs to be built into something, get some some you know big wins under his belt uh, to legitimize himself because he's coming off a tag run that was fairly unsuccessful, not through any fault of his own, but he's not bringing a whole lot to the table as a singles competitor without establishing something. And to have him go out and lose to Balor like that was just a little weird to me that they they went that route. There's still opportunity that they're gonna gonna turn him heel. He already is kind of working it. As it stands right now, I hate this this segment. I absolutely you you spent all that time building up Kurt's big announcement. Kurt comes out with "This is my son." And he's in a completely, black completely, like, nobody gives a shit. He gets crickets when he comes out there. You're not doing anything with his character other than every segment or two you say, oh, yeah, Kurt Angle's son. You know, he goes out there, he loses to Balor. Hey, it's always great to see you. <laughs> he goes out there, he loses to Balor. Yeah, the match was fine. I don't have a problem with Jason Jero in in-ring performance, but they have done nothing for him character building ever since they announced he was... Angle's son. At the very least, you should have stuck him with Emma. At least that would have been compelling. Oh, he might be stuck. In, he might be stuck in with Emma. Um, mm-hmm. Who knows? Something I happened. just think it's interesting that they keep playing that up on social media. I gotta wonder if that's eventually gonna end up going somewhere. Maybe the two of them have this evil plan to play Kurt Angle the whole time. That'd be kind of a cool way to t- to switch it up at the end. There you go. Interracial love. All right. Uh... Moving yeah, on. We, we still haven't gotten the LGBTQ characters Stephanie McMahon promised. That's the least they can give us is a little good interracial relationship. I thought that was Johnny Rocket Dick or whatever his name was. He got jobbed out and then fucking fired. That counts. <laughs> <laughs> he just said he likes big sweaty men. He didn't say he has sex with them. That's right. I'm going to put my balls in your mouth. <laughs> 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 and you're going to like it. So we uh, speaking of touching things, we kind of touched on the Hardys versus the Shieldists before. Um, yeah, uh, like Jason said before, this is probably going to be kind of a one-off thing, uh, and unless we do turn the Shield heel uh, very quickly. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, um, the only thing we could see is if we don't see the the Fisting Brothers turn heel, you know, we need we need another heel team to go against them, and maybe they hold it off until a revival get back to put them over. I don't know. I, I did like this Sal suggestion of the club. I thought that was a good idea. I like this match for what it was. Um, I thought they had a great, you know, they had a great match, even if there's no story to be told. You know, the Hardys versus the Ambrose and Rollins, I'm all in. 
Um, Hardys are really entering a dangerous territory for me after what I saw them do last year with the Dudleys. I was going to say that's very, a very good comparison. That's exactly what it reminds but me I, of. But I, I think there's way too much money in the, the broken universe to leave that on the table. You know, the Dudleys were kind of yeah. what we going to do with Bully Ray. Maybe, but... Uh, Ed, Ed Nordham and Anthem think the same thing. That's why they don't have the no, fucking sure. gimmick to yeah. use. I think that the difference is, is that uh, you can superstar shake up the Hardys away from each other, and the two of them can be just fine as singles guys. That's true. Uh, Vince has never been a huge fan of Matt as a singles guy, though, as you could tell by the way he was used when they were singles guys in this company. So it would be interesting to see how, if maybe that changes now, if he, maybe he saw something, although you'd have to assume that he had actually watched TNA, and I sort of doubt that. Um, one part I didn't really enjoy about that was the Hardys coming out and saying, hey, we know better than anybody that sometimes brothers fight. I thought that was a great line. Yeah, that was a, All right. that was a really good line. All right, so moving along to SmackDown, we had a very interesting, uh, a very interesting show. Honestly, much more interesting than Raw. Yeah, as we got the debut of the glorious one. I appreciated uh, how they did that. You know, he um, he interrupted Aiden English right when uh, English was in in mid tune. Uh, crowd popped huge. He had the match. He looked great. I don't think he's a hundred percent face. He, you know, his, his post-match interview would indicate that he's still got a really good uh, arrogance about him, and, and he can flip that switch as early as next week, and it's completely believable. Yeah, but he was booked against a heel jobber. It's not like they don't have face mid-card guys they could have stuck him with. Um, I thought it was interesting that they went with Aiden English. Um, if you went and watched on WWE.com, they had a post-match interview with him where he said, you know, I've, I've got some business to take care of with Roddy Strong. He sort of disrespected me, blah, blah, blah. Even wasn't that overtly heel there. Um, sort of wondering what they're going to do in that regard because he is really good as a cocky, arrogant heel. Uh, but as we know very well, Vince doesn't like to you know, go with necessarily what someone's natural strengths are. Um, so he may run him as a face. Who knows? Oh, and to go back to the beach ball thing, because there was one point, and this ties into it, that I wanted to say. Uh, when you shit on the crowd for that reaction, they've tried booing to tell you that they didn't like what you're doing. They've tried tuning out in droves to tell you they didn't like what you're doing. You keep doing it. This is just the next evolution on how they're trying to tell you they're not with what you're fucking doing. If you took a hint... They'd bring less beach balls. Anyway, that's done. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought Root's debut was great. The crowd was huge into it. Uh, SmackDown is quickly becoming the sing-along show, as everybody's <laughs> theme song now has, you know, sing-along time. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do with Bobby Root. Hopefully he doesn't go the way of Mike and Maria. Oof. That's right. And um, we go from a really good way to do a debut to a terrible way to do a debut. As out of the blue, Shelton Benjamin comes back to team with Chad Gable in a backstage segment. Yeah, the thing that struck me about this one, Shelton, I, Chad Gable looked like a tiny little orphan boy next to Shelton <sighs> Benjamin. I'm not sure how this tag team is going to work. Like, what are they, Gable and Mandingo? Like, this was a pretty uh, stark visual with the two of them next to each other. I'm curious to see how it plays out, but 
it sort of says something about Vince that he's just like, oh, fire, just take one black guy, replace him with another one. What the hell? What's the difference? Um, Does I'm, Vince know they did that? <laughs> that's a good point. I don't know. Oh, my God. I heard a story this week. You'll particularly get a kick out of this. They're doing a talent meeting a couple of years ago, I guess. And uh, they have this big thing. Vince is at a podium. And uh, Michael Tarver gets up to speak. And Michael Tarver asks him something. And Vince goes, you know what? That's an excellent question, Titus. No. <laughs> That's the story that was out <laughs> that I heard this week. And I knew Troy particularly would get a kick out of that. Um, I hope it's true. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I- I'm, I'm curious to see where this goes. It's just I don't know if this is what I would. Okay, so, again, creative putting my fantasy booking hat on uh benjamin teams with uh gable a little bit at the behest of daniel bryan uh they maybe win a couple matches maybe go into a feud with the usos because the usos need a face tag team and there really are none of those on smackdown so this might be the next program um they lose to the usos and then next thing you know charlie haas shows up out of the crowd and jumps gable and they reform the world's greatest tag team. Gable goes off and finds a new partner, and there you go. That's what I would do. Do you think Vince hates bringing people back to the point where he purposely negotiates them only to have a few dates so that he can have them job out on TV? Not only uh, did we see this with no. Mickey James. No. No. Um, Jinder Mahal. That, that maybe it's an age thing then I don't know but but Sheldon Benjamin literally just shows up backstage nope. and he's like hi I'm here oh you're gonna put me in a and we were kidding when we said they were gonna do the new American Alpha and stick him with Chad Gable and that's exactly what they fucking did I don't know I mean to, no. you, to your point everyone remembers when uh, you know when Christian left for TNA and came back and they just never used him for anything hey so. he was the ECW champion <laughs> Again, I don't know if it's an age thing, but, but they bring people back, some of these acts, and they just are there to put people over. And Look, Sheldon Benjamin was never going to be you know, brought back as uh, a main eventer. Um, really? Did you say the same thing about Jinder fucking Mahal? Yeah, I did, but, <laughs> but Jinder's vascular. So, so is Shelton. Uh, Sheldon's a good-looking guy, and he's bald now, so that was nice. We'll have to see what they decide to do with Sheldon Benjamin. I wouldn't have put him with Gable right off the bat. I think that's a mistake. Well, again, like I said, the the, the better way to do this is set it up where, you know, oh, Gable gets gets a tag team match, but he needs a partner. And Daniel Bryan's like, don't worry, I, I talked with Kurt. We've we've got the perfect partner for you. Gable goes out there, and then we, we hit the music, and that's how we bring Sheldon yes. back. You get a pop of the crowd right. instead of this just like, camera pans over and look there's Shelton just standing there it's like I'm sorry did did Chad Gable not see him when he walked by him <laughs> he thought he was Titus O'Neil it's like I thought Dude. you were on Raw <laughs> Sal 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 that is incredibly fucking insensitive seriously dude not okay no, you're right Jesus Christ get your shit together dude that's right alright and our final topic of the night <laughs> Uh, Owens, Styles, and Shane O'Mac, they go from a threesome to a foursome because they're hungry for some big breakfast. I knew you would appreciate that when I wrote that to try. Oh, of course. I, I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate any big breakfast reference. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 to me, the problem with this feud is that Owens is a hundred percent right. Shane's being a dick oh, here. Owens is a hundred percent right, but I think it's still funny when he loses his shit and goes fucking crazy. <laughs> Oh, sure it is, but we've had shitty referees before, and I've never seen Shane come and pull them out in the middle of the match. Like, he's clearly <laughs> fucking with Owens here. When when Baron Corbin threw his shirt off and tossed it at Shane, and Shane looks at it and then looks at Owens, and Owens is like, no, no, no! Oh my god, I couldn't stop fucking laughing. I No, no, the highlight of that match is Shane's out there arguing with Baron Corbin, and Baron Corbin yells, I'm watching everything they do! And that's the exact moment when Kevin Owens low blows AJ Styles <laughs> behind his back. Yeah. We've had it before, actually, a, a couple of nice little little comments from, from the Big Breakfast there. Um, you know, him almost getting counted up by the ref and going, I know how to count! <laughs> yeah, he's, he's actually pretty decent at at uh, at doing some of the in ring talking, yeah. No, I, I the thing with Corbin is when he did those segments on Talking Smack, I thought he was fantastic. Uh, I think he's one of those guys who's much better off when he's not scripted and he's just kind of free to be himself, and he's naturally a dick. From what we saw in this match, can we now, maybe as early as next week, transition to Corbin and AJ working a U.S. title program? And then, obviously, Shane and Kevin Owens. Uh, no, we can't because Corbin was buried. <laughs> That's um, right. Might as well fire him now. Yeah. yeah. He's pretty much done. He'll never work in WWE again. Him and Rusev <laughs> yep. uh, have both requested their release. And, uh, you know. Yep. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we uh, take it over to the news. All right, we're going to lead off the news desk this week. Uh, as Dave Meltzer said on Wrestling Observer Radio on Friday night that Ric Flair had an external pacemaker inserted to help his heart. His heart is now beating normally, which Meltzer says is a positive. Oh, it is? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dave, thanks for that newsflash. Uh, while things are looking better than earlier in the week, uh, he is still on kidney dialysis, and it is still going to be a rough ride for a while for the Nature Boy. Uh, he did add that Flair still has an infection and hasn't been that hasn't been disclosed. Uh, there have been issues giving him antibiotics because of Flair's weakened condition, so it's still a bad situation. Uh, he also confirmed that Flair never had a heart attack. The initial pain Flair was feeling was due to the obstruction in his bowel. Uh, Flair went to the hospital on Friday, August 11th, and underwent surgery to have the obstruction removed. Flair was in really bad shape on Saturday and Sunday, and there was a real fear about what would happen with the surgery on Monday, but Flair was able to pull through. It's not smooth sailing, but it was a great sign that he got through Monday, Melzer said. Um, Melinda Z Zanoni, uh, his agent at Legacy Talent and Entertainment, said this afternoon on social media that Flair is awake, communicating, and progressing. This was actually a couple days ago. Uh, Charlotte Flair took to Instagram on Sunday and gave an update on the Hall of Famer, saying, After an incredibly hard week, my dad is getting better. There is still a long road ahead. Uh, and he's not out of the woods just yet, but I want to again thank everyone for their support on behalf of myself and my family. My dad has given his life to sports entertainment to everyone competing tonight. You know he'd be backstage watching if he could. Give it a little extra flair for him tonight. Woo. Um, so obviously this was sent right before SummerSlam. Charlotte at the, his bedside. Uh, and sounds like maybe things are trending in the right direction for the Nature Boy, and hopefully uh, 
he'll be back. He'll kick out uh, one more time. Yeah, get well soon, Nate. Uh, sounds like it was a really rough ordeal, and sounds like he's still dealing with it. All right. Uh, we touched a little bit on this earlier, but behind the scenes, the decision to have Tozawa beat Neville for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship was apparently a last-minute one. Uh, it was noted on the Wrestling Observer Radio on Friday that the decision was made a few hours before Raw. Reports have it that Vince showed up on TV and simply decided a title change would create more excitement for SummerSlam. Uh, so for those of you wondering how much thought goes into these storylines, Vince shows up that day and goes, eh, let's change the title. And, uh, this is why you. This is why you can't be that. Be as harsh as creative as you want to be. <laughs> <clears throat> no, it's true, and I always say that. It's, you got to couch your comments about creative with how much of it was them and how much of it is Vince nixing the good ideas and going with these old, tired things. Um, we touched. Uh, we referenced this a little bit earlier, but WWE has announced the signing of independent wrestler Leo Rush, who officially joined the Performance Center this week. In a statement, they said, uh, WWE has announced a blockbuster signing in the form of 22-year-old prodigy Leo Rush. Internationally recognized as one of the ring's top high flyers, Rush officially joined the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. Uh, they give his birth name, which I'm not going to put his government out there. But uh, he wrestled in high school, becoming a two-time All-American and a three-time state qualifier. He began training for sports entertainment in 2014 and in less than three years has competed in 43 states, Canada, Mexico, and the United Kingdom, Germany, and Ireland. In 2016, he won Ring of Honor's Top Prospect Tournament, then earlier this year held the Combat Zone Wrestling Heavyweight Championship. Uh, the 160-pounder quickly became a fan favorite on the independent circuit for his daredevil creativity and unbelievable resiliency, as well as his Dragon's Call finisher, a devastating frog splash that recalls D'Lo Brown's split-legged variation. Uh, in joining the WWE PC, Rush reunites with former tag team partner and current NXT superstar, the Velveteen Dream, uh, with whom Rush co-held Maryland, Maryland Championship Wrestling's tag team titles in 2015. Uh, WWE apparently has plans for Rush to join NXT in the near future, as, uh, as uh, the announcement was filed under the NXT section of WWE.com. Um, so Leo Rush, another guy that theoretically could be put in with the uh, former Ring of Honor guys if you're trying to build that faction with more people. Uh, we touched on Dijak heading down to NXT. He's another guy who could be involved in there. We already have Roddy Strong. So uh, Leo Rush's last independent date, of course, the famous video on the internet, the sit-out powerbomb off the top of a ladder through a table where he no-sold it and stood right up. Oof. Good job, buddy. I honestly haven't seen enough of Leo Rush, so um, that video doesn't make me want to. But I'm sure uh, I'm sure it'd be a great addition to the NXT roster. We'll certainly find out. Uh, according to a report by People, Nikki Bella has been cast on the upcoming season of Dancing with the Stars. A source tells People that Nikki and Drew Scott of the HGTV series Property Brothers have both signed on to compete to the upcoming season of ABC's long-running reality dance competition series. Season 25, holy shit, is it really 25 seasons in? Uh, mm -hmm. Of Dancing with the Stars premieres opposite Raw Monday, September 18th. Nikki would be the third wrestler to compete on Dancing with the Stars following Stacey Keebler and Chris Jericho. In early 2006, Keebler competed on the second season of the show alongside her dance partner, Tony Mamaluke Do Dovalani. <laughs> uh, Keebler was eliminated in the final episode, coming in third to NFL legend Jerry Rice, who placed second in the final round of the competition, and singer Drew Lachey won the, series, won the season. Uh, two of the judges, Bruno 
San Martino. And Len Goodman uh, felt Keebler should have at least placed second. Odds makers had also considered her the favorite to win the competition. Jericho competed on season 12 in the spring of 2011 alongside Cheryl Burke. He was the fifth contestant eliminated from the show. Uh, so does the inclusion of Nikki Bella make you guys any more interested in watching a new season of Dancing with the Stars? Nope. No. no. Not not even the slightest. I didn't even watch when Jericho was on. I might have watched a couple episodes when Jericho was there. That's because you're a pussy. Um, are we gonna talk about the breaking? And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to break huge news. You remember, you're getting this directly from Jason here on the rundown. Oscar uh, has officially relinquished the NXT Women's Championship tonight. Uh, I am bringing you this news, breaking news, coming directly from me to you guys. Uh, huge news coming out of NXT. Uh, we're going to have to change the bumper at the end of the show, Troy, so you better calculate some shit quickly, uh, as Asuka is no longer the NXT Women's Champion. Well, what the shit is that? Jason, amazing job at journalism, man. I, yeah, I, I To try. be the hosting the show and to be able to come up with that all on your own, absolutely fantastic. Well, they, it, just, just like they did with the Demon Kang Kang, the last line of the thing says, announced her intention to pursue new opportunities in WWE. Pretty much saying that when she returns from injury, she's getting called up. Yeah, well, uh, this is really the only way you can... I, I guess it gets them out of the who you're going to have take the title off of her bit without necessarily burying the next person. So, pretty much exactly how I said they should do it earlier on. So, I guess I can't really take too much of an issue with it. Uh, I guess the injury was a, a silver lining. But again, uh, in case you're just joining us, breaking news. I am breaking this news for you live here on The Rundown, coming directly from me. Asuka relinquishing the NXT Women's Championship tonight at the tapings at Full Sail University. Um, continuing on in other items, after undergoing an MRI, WWE has, we've already talked about Cass's injury. Uh, they said, quote, it looks like an ACL tear, possibly a medial meniscus tear, but we're going to have to wait for the radiologist to evaluate the MRI and give us the full report. Uh, Cass underwent surgery this week, and WWE noted he will have a long road back. The doctor saying that a typical ACL tear requires about nine months to recover. Um, we already talked a lot about Cass in this situation, but uh, again, we certainly send him our best wishes for a quick recovery, and hopefully he uh, gets back to a successful and long career. Word. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the contribution. We talked about it. <laughs> We've already talked about it. WWE superstar Dana Brooks' boyfriend, bodybuilder Dallas McCarver, passed away on Monday night. According to TMZ, McCarver died after apparently choking on food at his Florida home. He was 26. TMZ spoke with Brooke, who said that McCarver was found unconscious last night by a friend at his home shortly after they spoke on the phone. Brooke says McCarver told her he was about to make dinner and the last thing he said to her was, I love you, goodbye. Uh, Brooke was told there are no signs of foul play, and it does not appear McCarver was trying to harm himself. So uh, certainly send along wishes to Dana Brooke to get through this very difficult time. Uh, sounds like uh, they had a very strong relationship, and, uh, you know, why are you laughing, Troy? I'm not laughing. I was looking at something. Sounded like you were laughing. No, no, are you you're the only one something? who laughs at death. Come on now. Only because of Troy. <laughs> that's why. Maybe that's why I'm paranoid. 
I didn't make a noise. I'm not queuing up anything. I was checking to make sure that my numbers were correct for the who's longest rating champion in WWE now. Okay. Uh, you know but who I, is... N- but I will say, I mean, I, I hope it was a good meal and not like... <laughs> Not like he was like cooking up fish sticks or something like that. Did you see a picture of what this guy looks like? Uh, I mean, I, I saw what a picture of what he used to look okay. like. I I don't know if he deflated since he choked on a drumstick. I, I or seriously not. doubt it was actual food. It was probably just a giant protein bar or something. I don't know. Um, this guy had a uh, he had a. <laughs> He put the vasque in vascular, and uh, kind of sucks. What, what you know? does what the is fuck vasque? does that even what mean? What the fuck does vasque mean? <laughs> dude, that dude had fucking veins popping out of every friggin' inch of his neck, body, everything. No, 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 then, we get that, but what the yeah. fuck does the vasque and vascular I don't mean? Know. I just fucking throwing it out there. He's just more vascular than anybody I've seen recently. I'll put it that way. Well, if he could throw it out there, he'd still be alive. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, uh, speaking right. of people who are not going to be longest reigning WWE champions, uh, Paige apparently will not be charged after her domestic dispute with Alberto Del Rio at an Orlando at the Orlando International Airport on July 9th. Uh, as previously reported, El Patron was initially investigated after Paige screamed at him in the middle of the Orlando International Airport. Uh, Paige later admitted she was the aggressor and had thrown a drink at El Patron during the altercation. The Orlando Police Department then recommended Paige be criminally charged for the incident. Apparently, the district attorney did not agree, and the charges have been dropped. I'm sorry. You you tried to segue away from the bodybuilder to Paige by talking about longest reigning champion instead of saying, speaking of people drinking protein, Paige. <laughs> 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 I thought I taught you better than that. Well, you know, can't win them all. Yeah. Anyways, uh, good for Paige, I guess. Uh, I still would like to see her back in WWE because I, I, I enjoy watching her in the ring. Um, and I enjoy watching the videos that I have saved on my phone of her. <laughs> so uh, I, for one, am, am, am cool with it. Uh, you know... I, a lot of the times, I mean, we all we've we've talked to death about the situation between her and Del Taco. Uh, it's not going to get any better. It's probably going to get worse before it gets uh, before either she's dead or they finally do break up. But uh, yeah, it it'd be nice if uh, somebody please help that poor girl out. Absolutely, um, she was one of my favorite wrestlers, but. I don't really see her coming back on TV until her contract is up and they just release her. So that sucks. All right. Uh, Nikki Bella does not feel that Total Divas gets the credit it deserves for helping to cultivate and grow the female WWE fan demographic. Saying, quote, absolutely not. I don't think it does at all. Uh as she was making an appearance for the Make-A-Wish Foundation, where other WWE superstars surprised several families. She also said, I think Total Divas helped start the women's revolution. Total Divas meant more, made more women started coming to our show. Like, quote, I gotta check this out. I remember when Brie was fighting Stephanie McMahon, so many women showed up because they were like, I can't even believe she's fighting her boss. Oh my gosh. It was crazy for them to even imagine. Like, she's gonna hit her? Like, this is nuts. And so I think Total Divas has done so much for women's wrestling. 
It was the first time that we got an hour of TV to ourselves to really showcase what women do. It happened so quickly and so fast. I want to say that when seasons one and two came out, both of which were lucky that they had 16 episodes each, after that season two, bam, everyone wanted to know Natalia, Brie Bella, Naomi, Ariane. Everyone was like, who are these girls? And when we go to events, they would be like women's wrestlers who weren't on the show and were getting more TV time than us. And the fans wouldn't care about them. They would be like, I want to see those Total Divas girls. Can you bring them back? Why does Nikki think Total Divas doesn't get its due? Her answer to that revealed this is a bit of a sore spot for her. Uh, what is unfortunate is that when Total Divas was succeeding and we became a hit reality show, they let people with a mic in the ring just bash it and us. Total Divas never got a response, so with the fans it began to give Total Divas a bad name. Oh, they're just reality stars. Actually, while the girls who aren't on the reality show are just wrestling, us girls on the reality show are wrestling, are filming, are never sleeping, are going to appearances, making sure the world knows how amazing women wrestlers are. So I don't feel Total Divas gets enough credit because the world's reality show have ruined it for people. I think certain people also... I think certain people, also characters for the company, have ruined it as well out of pure jealousy. I will admit that. Uh... Troy, uh-huh. do you feel total? Do you feel that uh, Total Divas was really the start of the women's revolution? Do you happen to know what the uh, the ratings were in 2013 when um, when Total Divas came on the air? I don't, but this is some amazing show prep. Go ahead. On average, the ratings for 2013 when Total Di- Total Bellas Total Divas came on the air for Raw. 3.01. Now, okay. would can you happen to tell me what the current average for 2017 is? Well, it's definitely down, but I think the more compelling argument would 2. be 2.12. The, the ratings of the women's <laughs> matches and segments. I don't know how to quickly find that information. Um, <laughs> I but here's here's the thing. The Bellas were the issue. The Bellas, when the, the the women's revolution was going on, they were the issue. They were the thing that all of the male fans pointed to as, these bitches can't wrestle. Give me the people who can actually wrestle. And Nikki that's when... Wrestle. Now she can. <laughs> after after four years of of being pushed more to the spotlight and actually doing the work... Yeah, now she can press a little bit better. But the fans weren't clamoring for the Bella Twins. They were clamoring for Sasha Banks and Charlotte and Becky and Bailey and Paige. Uh, excuse me. When Brie was fighting Stephanie, the fans were like, oh my God, is she going to hit her boss? No, they weren't. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a thing. And I feel like yeah. you put that story in there just to be a troll. <laughs> okay, Nikki Bella is a fucking moron. That's not nice, Sal. I don't give a Nikki shit. Bella, Nikki Bella saying that she was part of the, that she was jump started the women's revolution is like Stephanie McMahon saying she jump started the exactly. revolution. It's not that's not what happens. Everyone knows what hey, happens. Stephanie McMahon was the first powerful female character on WWE television. If there was a general interest in Stephanie McMahon versus Brie Bella, it was a hundred percent because Stephanie was getting back in the ring. It had nothing to fucking do with Brie. 
whatsoever. I disagree with that. I, I think there was a lot of people. That was the time when Brie was kind of very public with her relationship with Daniel Bryan, and a lot of that was transferred heat from the Daniel Bryan program when he couldn't wrestle. Oh, yeah, because I love seeing Brie do those yes kicks. There were a lot of people that got into Brie as a sort of surrogate to Daniel Bryan not being as part of that angle not being part of the anti-authority angle. She sort of took that mantle and took that spot by taking on Triple H, by taking on uh, Stephanie that Daniel Bryan had had going with Triple H prior. I, I I honestly feel like that that angle did have quite a bit of heat to it. I feel like you could have put any any of the women in that angle with Stephanie and it would have been fine. It would have got over. I don't think it would have see I don't think it would have. I I think you had Stephanie and Triple H trying to ruin her husband's life. There was a personal, rel- there was something that people could relate to, and other women could could understand. And you know, she's protecting her man and her family. And I, I, I think it. I, I disagree with you on that. I'm not a fan of Brie in the ring. Don't get me wrong, but that storyline I think definitely had heat behind it. We're getting a little uh, little off topic here because the the key here is is her saying that the the total divas jump started the women's or started the the women's revolution when obviously we know that's not not only not true but also they were the thing taking away from the women's revolution because the total divas storylines that were put on TV those those things where they acted like the stuff that we just saw on TV was currently happening and not filmed six months ago that was the shit we hated the most. Right. That was a shit where where the majority of your fans were pissed off. Yeah, you're gonna have a small su- small section of them of the people who are just watching because they've watched Total Divas, who are like, oh, I love these people, but they're not the ones that are. It it, it, it was about getting everybody involved in the thing, and not just a small little you know little little percentage of the crowd, but getting the entire entire crowd no. to cheer for Sasha Banks and and ask for her and things like that. See, this is where there's a sort of disconnect here. Um, when we talk about Total Divas, I think there's this big thing. Where, oh, well, this is the... No, people fucking hated that. Diehard wrestling fans hated that. Diehard wrestling fans were not the people that Total Divas was made for. Total Divas was made for the casual reality show crowd to bring them into the product. And it did serve that purpose. I know several people who have told me, I don't watch wrestling that much, but I watched that show and I started watching the wrestling to see what those girls were actually doing. It, again, people keep going to it and saying, oh, well, blah, blah, blah. It's not made for you. It's made for the casual fan. It's made for the fan who wasn't a fan of the product but likes reality garbage TV. That's who it was designed for, and it was effective in that regard. Now, the one thing she does say that I will be honest about, and I, I think she is correct about, is that that was the first time that a show in WWE was centered 100% around the women that work for the company. For better or worse, that's exposure, that's opening up uh, a new avenue for these these female performers that they didn't have before. It's the the problem is is her trying to piggyback on the women's revolution. Mm. If she would just say Total Divas did wonders bringing in a new demographic and new women, I am completely 100% behind that because that happened. Okay, but would you? But that had nothing to do with the women's revolution, though. The women's revolution was was because Ronda Rousey was champion at the Mm -hmm. time, and you started to get more eyes on on the program and more people going. You've got a lot of good talent here. Start using them. 
It depends on your definition of the women's revolution. If you remember, the hashtag Give Divas a Chance match was started with a Bellas match. It was Brie Bella, I believe. It wasn't, it wasn't a Charlotte Flair match. It wasn't a Sasha Banks match. Hashtag Give Divas a Chance started with the Bellas. Um, Total Divas, like I said, for better or worse, was prior to... I'm not sitting here and saying they were the sole driving force behind the women's revolution, but before the NXT girls were on the main roster and exposed to all the eyes that they ended up being exposed to, uh, they, they had the NXT subset, no doubt about it. The NXT fans were totally into that. We're talking about a different group of fans. The main roster, the casual fans, the people who don't give a shit about NXT, and you can tell because they don't rally behind some of the guys that come up to NXT, from NXT. Um, for those people, Total Divas was the first time women were put front and center in this company. For every, I'm not saying it was the driving force, but it may have been the first blow. No pun for intended. everything that um, people criticize her for, I feel that AJ Lee did a lot in regards to give Divas a chance, whether it was her speech at the Slammies, where she was talking about people who they needed to focus on, and all the talent that the women that the division had, sure. or whether it was um, her calling out Stephanie McMahon, I believe, on Twitter, right around, maybe around the same time all that was going on, when Stephanie went on some type of award show and was talking about uh, the importance of women, and, and AJ said, you know, was talking about, well, then give your women a chance to give them equal time on the show and don't yeah, limit them I'm, to four-minute matches. Yeah, I'm not going to argue <clears throat> any of that. That's all correct. Uh, and like I said, I'm not saying it was the key factor. I'm just saying it was a factor and to totally dismiss it um, a big part of any revolution is mass acceptance and when you put in a public forum like a national television show your women front and center as the main characters which is something that had never happened with a WWE product before that's a big building block upon which things things came from there we all know that Triple H started the women's revolution. All right, moving <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, lastly, according to a report at PWNCenter.com, we talked about this a little earlier, Loki is now gone from Global Force Wrestling, having decided to leave the company sometime during the week's TV tapings. It is unclear exactly what the reasons are, but the two prevailing reasons are either it was a financial dispute or a discontent with the creative direction of his character. The only certainty is that Loki asked for his release rather than being let go and GFW sources are indicating that his departure was amicable. Now, this is like the third or fourth time he's come back and left this company. Um, but this one was particularly interesting only because he was the guy who was lined for a shot against Alberto uh, before Alberto got stripped of the title. And then he kind of got pushed to the back because, spoiler alert, Eli Drake won the, the match tonight. And he is the new GFW heavyweight champion. Ooh. And looks like he's being spun off into a program with Johnny Impact. So... Um, Loki was getting pushed to the side creatively and my guess is that's probably more of where the issue came from Loki is a piece of shit okay alright so we that brings us to the local indie wrestling promotions Jason what's going on Atlantic Pro Wrestling well uh, this coming Saturday at Atlantic Pro Wrestling we are going to be putting on a show it is Saturday night uh it is going to be, hold on one second, let me pull up all the details so I can give you the 100% real deal. Uh, it's at the Boys and Girls Club of Lower Merrimack Valley, 
Uh, and it is featuring a main event, the juggernaut, John <clears throat> Poe, the APW Heavyweight Champion, going to team up with the Kingpin, Brian Malonis, as they take on the picture-perfect family with Uncle Eddie. Uh, the APW New England Championship going to be defended as Xavier Bell takes on Buddy Romano. APW Tag Team Championship on the line as the Tenacious Two are going to concept Johnny Torres and Scotty Wilde are going to take on the Main State Posse. It was our last event when the Tenacious Two won a tournament, but they received a bye, and Main State Posse lost the finals after wrestling three matches and tenacious two of course fresh getting a bye right to the finals this time they're both going to be fresh ready to go one in a straight up tag team match and we'll see who walks away with the titles that night uh perhaps the biggest match for me that i'm i'm looking most forward to seeing the APW Women's Championship going to be on the line as Vanity Vixen is going to defend against Adira, who will be accompanied by Uncle Eddie and the returning Belmont. And it is a thrill for APW fans and officials alike to have Belmont back in the fold. Uh, we are also going to have the Hampton Beach bad boy Hunter Ward and the dynasty Bo Douglas teaming up against the Canadian legend Matt Loudon and a mystery partner, Cousin Larry, going to take on Setherin. The unequaled one, Todd Sopel, also going to be in action against Channing Thomas. Tickets for the events are $12 at the door. Advanced tickets, I'm sorry, $12 each at the door. Advanced tickets are $10. Reserved front row seats, $15. And the reserved front row seat also receives early admission Tickets are available at the door or at AtlanticProWrestling.com slash products. Doors open at 6 p.m. with a 6.30 p.m. bell time. Great venue, great card, and looking forward to seeing all the great APW fans back in Salisbury this Saturday. All right. Well, if you are heading over to Summerfest this weekend up in Wisconsin here, Bruce City Wrestling is teaming up with MIAW and Lucha Libre Total at the Mexican Fiesta to bring Lucha Palooza on the Summerfest grounds at the Sports Zone basketball area. Saturday, 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. and Sunday noon to 2 p.m. This is a free show with paid admission onto the grounds. Buy your tickets at MexicanFiesta.org. And Jason, what's going on in Liberty States? Uh, Liberty States is going to present Heard You Missed Us. We're back on Saturday, Gosh. September 9th from the Johnny e. McCarthy Elementary School in Peabody, Massachusetts. Main event already signed. Christian Casanova is going to defend the Liberty States Heavyweight Championship against Dynamite Danny Miles. Todd Sopel is going to be defending his No Limits Championship in an open Some. challenge. Some, Some limits. limits, correct. Uh, and in a singles match, Josh Briggs is going to take on Xavier Bell. Also appearing on the show, Ilya Markopoulos. Fabulous Johnny Vegas. <coughs> Sorry. Mike Russell, Robo the Punjabi Lion, The Clinic, Chris James, The Selfie Made Man, Vern Vicalo, Setherin, D.L. Hurst, and many more. Tickets just $10, general admission. Doors open at 6.30 with a bell time of 7 p.m. For more information, go to libertystateswrestling.com. All right. <laughs> and September 15th, Bruce City Wrestling presents Fall Frenzy at the Columbus Club of West Dallas. Bell time is 7.30, doors open at 6.45, tickets are $20 reserved front row, $18 general admission at the door, and $16 pre-show at brewcitywrestling1.com. Tickets go on sale Sunday, August 27th, this Sunday. Then you can join us at the Slurp and Burp Funhouse to have an after party with the stars of Brew City Wrestling. Already signed, the main event, it's franchise versus franchise, as the franchise Shane Douglas takes on the bcw franchise evil dis fresh off her heel turn evil sierra puts her championship belt on the line against tess valentine 
More info is coming soon, more but more matches to be booked. Go ahead and head over to Twitter and follow BCW at, at BCW Fandemonium or at BCW1. And also get more information at Brew City Wrestling, the number one, dot com. Sal, what's going on with Lucky Pro Wrestling? Oh, that's right, because you don't have this fucking document open. Lucky Pro Wrestling presents Fall Frenzy. Wait a second. That sucks. It's going to be Saturday, October 14th from the Elks Hall in Clinton, Massachusetts. Already signed for the first time ever, LPW Tag Title is going to be on the line in a last team standing match as the aristocrats of Tomahawk and Zachary Pierre Ballou defend against the heavy hitters, Frank Champion and Shady Shea Cash. And this is the hitters' last chance at the Tag Team Gold in LPW. If they lose this match, they will never get another shot. Of course, they attack the fan in order to get the commissioner to sign the match. Uh, so it's a big deal. This tag team match is going to be very anticipated for Lucky Pro Wrestling. Also announced, Brick Mastone is going to defend the Hard Knocks Championship against Cam Zagami and the return of the fan favorite Halloween Battle Royal, all that and more. And Lucky Pro Wrestling, Saturday, October 14th at the Elks Hall in Clinton, Massachusetts. Better late than ever there, Sal. Mm-hmm. So we've got two shows named Fall Frenzy across the globe. <laughs> Make sure At least across the country. Nationwide. Across the country, yep. All right, and with that, that'll do it for the Rundown Wrestling Podcast for this Thursday, August 24th, 2017. It has been a mere 144 days since Brock Lesnar won the Universal Championship. Brock Lesnar. By the way, where the fuck? Adam's not putting the uh, Elkamania stuff on there anymore. I think he's just trying to fuck with my gimmick. You know what, Adam? You can add it. You know what, Adam? Elks. Ah. Fire. So fuck you. <laughs> brand new brand new promotion that we're running right here. Go to audibletrial.com slash rundown for a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial. <gasps> Go ahead and download uh, Austin Aries' new book and hear him talk about uh, the fact that, you know, uh, really sad events never happened. Follow <laughs> us on Twitter at Rundown Podcast. Email the show rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Still no emails. Leave us a voicemail, 617-863-6967. That's yeah, 61 Rundown 7. Email, even if you want to just email Troy a picture of a dick, he'll yeah, appreciate that. I will. Just, just anything. You know, anytime the email box dings, he gets happy. So that's send him true. something. Yeah. And make sure to leave us a voicemail as well because we didn't have a, have a single one this week. Uh, like us on Facebook, Rundown Wrestling. Uh, follow us on YouTube, Rundown Podcast. Make sure to, uh, to check out that now because it's funny uh go ahead and uh, go over to pay- paypal.me slash run on wrestling to make the notion least convincing pitch ever <laughs> oh you need to check out our, our, our icon that's all I'm, I'm asking to do <laughs> okay. uh, paypal.me slash run on wrestling to make the notion donations to a guy who isn't here anymore <laughs> uh if you are in need of a book to go uh with the next time you head up the portageon go to chasing distant horizons tinyurl.com slash distant horizons pick up a chapbook from the man the myth the legend andrew lister we are a member of the questionable endeavor network uh make sure to go into questendnetwork.com this time we promise by the bottom of our hearts we will remember to post the episode there uh go to shadowvane.net <laughs> somebody, uh, might. somebody might uh follow tuning ja- or, or uh, like and subscribe tuning japanese on itunes and stitcher the Rottitude Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, even though they're going out of business soon. Uh, the Slash of Sanitarium on iTunes and Stitcher. Pwn Stars on iTunes and Podomatic. 
New Blood Rising on iTunes. You should probably get on Stitcher there, buddy, so it doesn't make, make you sound stupid. Words of Geekdom on iTunes and Stitcher. And again, go over to twitter.com at Network. Or visit our website, questennetwork.com. Also, check out our Discord channel. We promise there's no kitty porn there. <laughs> because because uh, we're give, because we're giving away ad for space for free, listen to our friends Brian, Brian Malonis and Mike Crockett on the Wrestling... Wrestling. Wrestling. I'm a fucking... <laughs> I'm Anton Yelton now. The Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Facebook.com slash the WPAN. Did you have something to interject there, Jason? Yeah, there are... Uh... Uh, of course, Crockett and Malone is always very good to us, always plugging us on their show, and they have more listeners than us. So it's a, it's a very symbiotic relationship for yeah. which I'm sure we get the better end of it. But uh, sounds, like yeah. a, sounds like a lose-win situation for them. Great uh, quality audio twice a week from those guys. Definitely check it out. Always interesting. That's right. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbrain, or Podomatic, any place that you can find podcasts there's a million of them out there but why listen to anything else thanks to all of you for listening thanks by the way we uh we we, we don't put over the other rundown shows i was just gonna I mean, say I guess that people are on the feed but uh next monday we're gonna have part two of the sit down with uh jason rumble uh if you heard part one you know uh definitely jason's pulling no punches in this and it's definitely the second is just as good if not better than the first encourage you to go check out that second piece when it drops on monday uh looking forward to some future guests i've got lined up hopefully something pretty cool down the road uh troy nxt revisited still on hiatus should be back soon i hope september all right september it is and uh next week i believe is the uh, the first more than 15 minute long episode of nitromania as they review Halloween Havoc and the monster truck experiment between Hulk Hogan and the Giant. Man versus man. I believe he's... Monster truck versus monster truck. Yes, I That's believe he's right. joined... Adam is joined by Henry Hugepex, the oh, suplex throwing human duplex for that very special recap episode. Yes, the newly married Henry Hugepex and the suplex throwing human duplex. So congratulations to him and Henrietta, the human suplex throwing duplex. <laughs> <laughs> You just called Thank- the dude's wife a duplex. That's not exactly. <laughs> she's she's a thick woman. Uh, <laughs> oh god. Oh boy. I don't Thanks. Think we're gonna get any better than that. I think we're gonna end on that note. Yeah. For sure. Thanks to Ken Lockhart and Mike Smathers for joining us in the Smathers Lounge, even though they didn't last, last the rest of the show. Thanks to Jason. Thanks, Troy. Thanks to Sal. Thank you, Troy. Thanks to Ray Williams for the logo and for Jason for our brand new awesome theme song. Next week, same channel, same time, same place. Probably not the same host because Sal's probably not going to be here next week. <laughs> or will he? Make sure. Ooh. Make sure to watch all the wrestling you can to make sure you know exactly what we're talking about. With that, well, if not, we'll fill you in. Yeah. Like Paige. <laughs> And on that note, Papa. we'll see Papa. you next Thursday. Papa. Later. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created by Adam Salzer, and this week was produced, hosted, and edited by Jason Stewart. The show this week was also hosted by Troy Bozen and Sal DeCheca. We are a proud charter member of the Questionable Endeavor Network. Check out all our shows, including our other wrestling shows, the Raw Attitude Podcast, and the New Blood Rising Podcast, 
plus articles, Twitch streams, and much more at questandnetwork.com. And tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast.